Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Dogler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Brendan Zinner of News Press now in St. Joe, Missouri. We're going to talk all things Chiefs and get you set for the Chiefs and the Browns coming up this Sunday. So look forward to that conversation. Also on today's show, we will have our O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em with Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the day as well. You will not want to miss out on that. All that and more coming up on the Jones Report today. Hope you're off to a good start to your Thursday, the middle of the week, as uh, uh, I know that we're, we're going through some difficult times as a country right now, but nonetheless, glad that we can be an escape for you of sorts here uh, throughout these uh, next uh, several minutes here on the uh, Jones Report. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, how are we doing? Uh, you, you have uh, made your way out of uh, the the Christmas parties and uh, the uh, the events that uh, went on there. I know that you were you and I were just talking before all this that we didn't like how long Christmas took, and for you it kind of took even maybe even longer than what we were talking about. Oh yeah, you know, relatively new job and uh, Christmas parties and events and multiple days of hosting karaoke or DJing throughout the, the Christmas period, just because people go out families in town and, you know, here in Oklahoma, the bars are still open and, uh, they will remain open till two, um, judging by January 8th ruling last Friday, that was pretty much struck down because Kevin Stitt said they still relied on Google analytics uh, and the judge didn't like that. So karaoke and DJing is still on the table, but just not as much because now it's dry January, supposedly not for me um, that people, you know, say, Oh, you know, I'm going to cut back on my drinking this year and they do good for about a month and then it goes all to hell. Um, so yeah, but, I'm a little less, not completely not busy, but just a little less than I was. Um, just did a wedding this past weekend. So it's, it's, uh, the money's good, but, um, I have bags under my eyes now. <laughs> Actually, they've been there for a while, but they've, they're a little darker. I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, that's, uh, that's good to hear that, uh, things are, uh, going well in your direction and uh, I'm getting settled in Omaha now officially uh, you know found a place and and getting all that stuff figured out I'll, I'll be good to go this weekend uh, for uh, this move and this transition up there it's been a process about a month long of uh, from when I accepted that job to when I officially moved in but I, I feel like now I can really get involved in the culture of Omaha and see what this city's all about, Tom. Um, I, I'm going to be so relieved when all this is over. I hate moving. I don't know about you, uh, but I am like, I, I can see the finish line, but it still feels oh so far. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure it's tough because you're, you're moving on up. You start in Oklahoma, now Kansas, then Nebraska's. I mean, at this point, you're going to, a couple of years, you're going to be in uh, Sioux City, South Dakota. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, that's just, <laughs> You're right. It's cold enough as is in Omaha. Like, man, uh, I'm not ready for all the snow yet. Oh, and there's more to come for sure where you're at. Uh, I'm not a maybe snow not guy. So much. 
No, neither am I. Uh, I used to be when we used to get off for school. Right. Now work still has you come in. It, I mean, and for you now, it's just it's part of the it's part of the day. Right. And right. I was thinking too for the kids at home, you know, with the virtual learning that we did and all, all that. Um, you know, Tom, you and I, we, we don't have kids, but you know, we'll, we'll probably have some someday. Um, I was thinking probably our kids will never know what a snow day is. I bet that's a thing of the past now. Thanks to all this virtual learning. You know what? They do the virtual learning. I think if it snows and it's enough to, to shut down school, I think in the spirit of actual snow day, they should, they should say, you know what? It's a snow day. It would be a snow day if we were actually going to be in school. They should let them have the snow day. Yeah, I mean, that sounds nice, but I, I just don't see that happening. I, I think that snow days might be done now. It's a shame. Right? It's a shame. They might be. They very well might be. I hope they're not. If uh, if I had kids and they wanted to go virtual learning when there was a bunch of snow, I would say, nope, we're not logging in the computer today. I'll just call you in. Say that the uh, <clears throat> the, the internet went down from the snow. Too much on the uh the power line or something too much snow came down took out your internet access exactly and then we'll turn on netflix <laughs> right yeah because the netflix doesn't require internet or anything like that no. right exactly right <laughs> oh that's good i like that see we're, we're already thinking ahead uh I, I was talking to a friend of mine just uh today actually and uh he was saying that you know his wife works part-time and and uh, they're still homeschooling their kids, even though she's working part time. And he's like, yeah, sometimes what we have to do is uh, because of her work schedule, we'll uh, people don't realize this. But with homeschool, like we'll teach our kids at night or we'll do stuff on the weekends. It doesn't mean that our kids are going to school from eight to three every day. And I was I heard that and like I can't imagine what I would have been like as a kid if if I had to do school at night or on the weekends or something like that, that that's something I didn't think about with it, with homeschool kids. Right. I'm glad that I wasn't because the weekend come around. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I'm like, Hey, it's the weekend. Listen, we're not, we're not doing it. We're not having it. <laughs> right. We're watching college football. We're, we're not, we don't do school. Exactly. <laughs> In the words exactly. of uh, Cardale Jones, we don't do school. Um, <laughs> true words never been spoken but uh well uh speaking of ohio state we'll talk about their debacle against alabama coming up uh later on but uh where i do want to start is uh the nfl playoffs and uh we'll uh, we'll start with the uh, the chiefies and we'll, we'll talk to, to brandon zinner more about this uh, when he joins us coming up later on the show but taking on cleveland chiefs are off bye week and, and really it's like a, a double bye week of sorts because they sat all their starters against the Chargers. And so two weeks off, and th there begs the question from the folks out there, and we'll know this answer on Sunday, is this Chiefs team going to come out cold of sorts after having two weeks off and be a little rusty, or are they going to be refreshed and have some energy of some sorts? And we, we don't know the answer. We don't know right now, but we will know uh, on Sunday what that answer is. Um, but with all that being said, if I were to guess, take an educated guess of some sorts, I would 
lean towards the idea that we, we will see a refreshed, energized Kansas City Chiefs team. There's an argument to be made by some folks out there that, you know, hey, if you got all this momentum going into a bye week might be the worst thing for you. We saw with the Baltimore Ravens last year, and then they took on the Titans, and they looked like a whole different team. The Titans shut them down. The rest is history. The Ravens were sent home from the postseason. What I would say about this Chiefs team is what's different about them being the number one seed as opposed to this same position that Baltimore was in a season ago is there isn't that same momentum there with Kansas City. Yes, they are the number one seed, 14 and two, realistically, 15 and one because of, you know, they gave away that Chargers game with who they set out last week. Uh, but with all that being said, um, they weren't playing their best. Um, I have gone on record many times that this team was holding something back, that it wasn't all there for the Chiefs. Um, I think that we will see a team that hadn't had a bye week in a long time, that will come out with a new energy um, that shows, you know, hey, they're ready for playoff time, for their season to really start and everything like that. To me, the Chiefs will use this to their advantage. Andy Reid is the best coach in the league when it comes to playing off a bye week of sorts. And this Cleveland bunch, Cleveland's been on a, on a high here the last, you know, few weeks, the last quarter of the season. You go back to that Tennessee game with Baker Mayfield. He, he was phenomenal, and he's playing the best football of his career right now. It's, it's awesome what Baker's doing. Um, but with, with all that being said here, um, you know, the, the Baker, the, the Bakers, <laughs> the Browns, uh, maybe they should be the Bakers at this point. I don't even know what a Brown is. Um, but the, the Bears, um, you know, have laid everything out there and, you know, giving it their all every week. They had no business winning that game against the Steelers last week, ended up winning by 10 points, scoring 48 points. I just wonder when it runs out for the cheat, for the, uh, for the Browns here. So that's the way I look at this game is I don't see how the Browns can duplicate what they did against Pittsburgh. Maybe they do. Maybe they have something else left in the tank, but I, I doubt that. I doubt the Browns can do that two weeks in a row. If they do, then, uh, you know, then maybe you can light me on fire or something like that. I don't know. I really doubt the Browns can do that two weeks in a row. It's a week-to-week lead. And, and this Chiefs team, I think you're going to see them flip that switch with that time off and come alive and see something different. That's how I look at this game and how this uh, this matchup plays out of sorts as far as these teams heading into Sunday. Tom, what do you think about these two teams entering Sunday? Yeah, you know, I think you're right there, Jones, that it's, it's going to be hard to replicate or duplicate that effort that they gave against the Steelers. That's not to take anything away from the Browns. It's just hard to do. Uh, it be hard you know, for anybody I, to do two weeks Right, ago. It, and the Browns know, I mean, they know the Steelers because they play them two times a year, uh, you know, and, and maybe that can go be said the same thing for the Chiefs, but, you know, technically they've had two weeks off and, you know, it's talked about all the time that maybe, you know, a week or even two weeks at this point can hurt your team and slow up, but hell, the Chiefs, you know, had, you know, if you look back last year's playoffs, they you know, came out slow and ended up finishing strong and, you know, still won every game by 11 or more points. So, um, 
Andy Reid, I even think, and I don't quote, I mean, quote me, but don't quote me. I think he even mentioned last year's playoffs of pretty much saying we're not doing that shit this year. Um, it, I mean, you know, to, to put it uh, even lightly at that point, because I'm sure he probably had some more words for, hey, guys, we're, let's let's not give the old man a heart attack here this this year. Um, He's had so, enough cheeseburgers already. Right. You know, I, you know, so I don't think I think they're going to, you know, put the, the KC special on it um, and and come out ready to play. Now, you know, I haven't seen what the Chiefs have done and. You know, the Browns are a capable team. Uh, I mean, we saw the Titans come in and upset the Ravens last season. And, um, you know, obviously Ravens got the revenge. We'll move to that game later on. But uh, it is, I mean, it's the playoffs. Anything's possible. I well, mean, the Browns could come in and beat the Chiefs. That would could. be well, one of the greatest upsets of all time. Here's an interesting point you bring up. And, and I'm glad you brought this up, Tom. Is uh, you mentioned about the Chiefs that they can't let their opponent, you know, get a big lead and try to play from behind, make up that deficit. If you recall this game last year, what was it? The Texans were up 28 to three, something like that. I mean, it was crazy. Something like that. And My dad Chiefs, shut it off. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> Chiefs and dad turned it off. And the Chiefs then had the lead again by halftime. It was an incredible turnaround. And Andy Reid says, we can't do that again, whatever. Look at this Cleveland Browns team. They were up 28 nothing on Pittsburgh last week. Um, they jumped out to a huge lead against Tennessee. And I know Tennessee is eliminated, but Tennessee had a very good year, might I add you. Um, you know, Tennessee was a very good football team. Jumped out to a huge lead there. And even when these teams went on runs and it looked like they were going to make it close, Cleveland found a way to close the door. Last week against uh, Pittsburgh, they got Kareem Hunt involved and Nick Chubb. And just when it looked like the Steelers had a slim chance to get back in, they hammered it home. They finished that game. Even the Giants. I know the Giants weren't that good, but the Browns did not let off the, the gas. Um, this team, for a young football team that's still trying to find their identity, I give them credit, Tom, that Stefanski it, – it, you know, he's done a hell of a job this year, his first year in Cleveland, but his, uh, his young guys uh, are playing wise beyond their years to already have this ability to finish games like they've been able to do here. And Jones, you, you mentioned that too, about the Browns finishing games. Here's, here's the thing that, you know, the Texans didn't have last year. And, and I, so maybe they had it, but they didn't have it to the point that the Browns have it. And, and we could talk about the keys to victory for each team here. This, you know, might be a good transition, and I'll start with the Browns. Um, the Browns have to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. They have to. Um, and they're poised to do so if the Chiefs' defense doesn't step up because they have a great running game. I, I mean, that should go without saying. They can do that. So I think it's imperative for the Chiefs to say, hey, let's not get down 26, 28 to 3 to the Browns and, and have to play this comeback thing because the Browns are very capable of keeping the ball away. And if you don't give Mahomes the chance to come back and make the magic happen, then, you know, you're, you're asking the chiefs defense, which is not terrible, but you know, it's not the best to, to make the stops. Like, I mean, the defense 
is is even as key this game for the Chiefs, kind of to get in that groove of, you know, let's win this game and keep in that groove of potentially facing, you know, the Bills um, or, you know, the Ravens, um, the next game out, you know. Let's get in that groove and, and find that groove here this game. Uh, I mean, it's it's imperative because the Browns obviously showed us that, that they can score. Yeah, yeah. Um, the quarterback matchup, Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes. These two go way back. Um, you know, both of them obviously were in the Big 12 Conference. John Dorsey drafted both these quarterbacks with uh, Dorsey his last year as GM of the Chiefs and his first year as GM with the Browns. And, you know, they had one of the greatest Big 12 shootouts of all time. Um, you know, it looked like a basketball game with uh, when these guys went back and forth. I believe that was in 2016. And, uh, you know, just it was just incredible. Mahomes and company go toe-to-toe with a OU team that went on to the college football playoff. And that Texas Tech team only won like four games that year. And, uh, you know, Tom, it's interesting. It's a, it's a changing time in that before these two quarterbacks, we heard and the numbers showed that there just wasn't a place for Big 12 quarterbacks in the National Football League. Non-existent. Sam Bradford had an okay career. It was very injury-riddled. Colt McCoy had a few moments here and there. Um, you know, Chase Daniels been a nice backup <laughs> his whole career. Um, you know, but but it was just very mostly miss. Um, Vince Young, you know, had, was rookie of the year, but then he fell off pretty quickly. These Big 12 quarterbacks just simply weren't working in the National Football League. And now we've seen Mahomes win the MVP, looking like one of the best players in the world. Baker Mayfield, um, you know, has had a heck of a year, nice bounce back year from last year and and brought the Browns, uh, you know, back to life. And now we're starting to see more Big 12 quarterbacks get chances. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph had his shot in Pittsburgh. Hopefully he gets a chance to be a starter once again. Kyler Murray's been successful in Arizona. Uh, Jalen Hurts, of course, uh, got to start the last several games there for Philly and everything. These guys uh, have uh, have changed the game. They've been, they've been great. Uh, they're not only great in the Big 12 Conference, but they've been great for the the brand for the future of, of big 12 quarterbacks and, and paving the way of some sorts. So I'm uh, I think big 12 fans, whether you like Baker or Patrick or not, whether you like OU or Texas tech, um, we all should be uh, just proud of these guys, you know, just thankful that they're opening up the door of some sorts, changing the way that we think of football to see these air raid quarterbacks be successful at the highest level of football here. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a changing of the guard, essentially. And, you know, I know that Mason Rudolph hasn't been too hot in, in Pittsburgh by any means. But, um, I mean, let's even the final year of Texas A&M, I mean, Tannehill's made a name for himself. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you can, you know, some people might can't try to count him as an SEC at that point, but well, he never no, played that, the SEC. So, yeah, well, that's, that, that's, that's yeah, good. but he's probably the most forgotten big 12 quarterback essentially just because of the timing um but i mean it's it's a lot better than you know bradford you know chase daniel i mean you even go all the way back to to jason white who didn't even i don't even think he played a real nfl snap no he never Um, took a snap in the league 
RG3 came out firing, and, and we know what's happened since then. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, it really is. Really, after, you know, 2011, 2012, really, uh, I, you know, maybe it's maybe it's coincidence. I don't know. I don't You know, maybe it's the caliber of the play and, and changing it up. But, uh, I mean, I'm you know, we're big 12 guys here, so it's it's good to see. I mean, you know how I feel about Baker, obviously. But as far as the big 12 goes, I mean, I, I like to, you know, see him competitive and, and kind of putting on for the big 12. Uh, as, as much as – and it's not that I dislike Baker for who he is. I just dislike him because he played at OSU – or at OU. If he played for OSU, I'd have a jersey. If he would have stayed at Texas Tech, you'd probably be a fan right now. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, yeah you know how I feel about OU. So, and it, I, I, you know, I will say that. I will say I like Kyler Murray. But he was only – didn't you know he didn't have the legacy i mean he had a obviously won a heisman at ou but he didn't have the legacy that baker has you know more ou fans followed baker to the browns than ou fans followed kyler to the cardinals right yeah um but uh i think that between these two with the way these offenses work with the browns and the chiefs you know we're we're, we're never gonna see these two have the game like they did back in 2016 but um, this should be more exciting than when they faced off back in, I think it was 2018 in uh, Baker's rookie year. Um, I, I expect a shootout on Sunday, Tom. I would be surprised if it was anything less than a shootout between those teams. Although if you're the Browns, as you mentioned, I think you try to slow down this game and you avoid this from being a shootout. Last week, the Browns wanted it to be a shootout because they knew that they could, um, you know, the the more points they scored, the more turnovers Big Ben was going to make. But in this case, uh, if you're the Browns, I, I don't think you want that to go uh, to be the same way because the Chiefs aren't going to make the same mistakes Pittsburgh did. Right, exactly. They're just, you know, too solid of a team. And I think that's probably what Stefanski's probably going to have to do. Uh, in my mind, if the Browns want to win this game, you don't want to get in a shootout with the Chiefs offense. I mean, that's – you don't have to be an NFL coach to know that. Um, so I, I think for the Browns, they're going to try to slow it down. They're going to, you know, use Kareem and they're going to use Chubb and uh, they're going to try to slow this ball game down. And, and really for the Browns, if you can get a, a large time possession, that's what you're going to want to go for because obviously this Chiefs team can score pretty quickly anyway. Um, but you don't want to, you know, have to – to score i mean this is it's obviously a big like big 12 traditional big 12 not this year's big 12 but traditional big 12 game here essentially that that it's going to be high scoring whether the browns like it or not they just need to be able to have they have to win the time of possession they have they have to they don't win the time of possession they don't have a shot in hell yeah i I would agree to that um i I think that's a very fair point to make. Um, the Browns' COVID issues sounds like Stefanski is going to be back on the sidelines. Um, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit for the job that he's done this year. The Chiefs, no Mitchell Schwartz. He's not quite ready to come back to, to help out of that right tackle spot. They're all pro tackle, not going to be there. Um, but Mike Rimmers looks like that he's going to be good to go. Um, Clyde Edwards Elaire going to be back for the Chiefs. Now, I don't know how much we see Clyde Edwards Elaire. 
Um, there was one game this year where Andy Reid activated Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and uh, said, yeah, he's good to go, and then he didn't even play a single snap. So I don't know how much we actually see him, but he did practice. Um, I would think that we're going to see more Le'Veon Bell as far as that goes. But, um, you know, the, the based on those injury things and, and COVID stuff with the Browns, unless something changes between now and, and uh, this game on Sunday – this is kind of what we expected. Those things of, of Clyde being available, but limited, no Mitchell Schwartz, you know, the, the Browns getting over COVID and stuff like that. I don't think this really changes much as far as the outlook of this game goes Sunday, based on what we learned here these last couple of days of who isn't and who is available come Sunday, Tom. Right. And, and I, I think the Chiefs are going, you know, despite, you know, even if Clyde's not there, uh, I, I think that, that's probably built into the game plan of saying, Hey, if he's there, great. If he's not, we still have Le'Veon Bell. I, I think the chiefs are going to come out throwing across the field. Um, I, I think the chiefs are going to, you know, we'll talk about it later on. The chiefs could, you know, switch a few things up, maybe bring some things out we haven't seen, but I think at the same time, I, I think we're going to see the chiefs do what the chiefs do and, and try to, come out and impose their will literally smash mouth not in the sense of running up the middle smash mouth but just come out and 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 not i I think the chiefs are going to try to come out and embarrass the browns yeah and i think i think travis kelsey is the head of that committee (laughs) well and uh we hear from their the uh browns running back um uh, they, uh, that used to play for the chiefs, Graham Hunt, uh, who's had a good year, you know, he and Nick Chubb, I think have been the best backfield in the league, Tom. Um, and you know, what went down back in 2018 when Kareem Hunt was coming off leading the league and rushing and was a huge part of the chiefs offense. Um, you know, he, uh, he got caught lying to the chiefs about the incident in the hotel that ended up getting caught on video uh, that where the chiefs immediately released him said they were done with him and such. And, uh, you know, he didn't play the rest of that year and then went on to get signed with the Browns. And, you know, he, he lied about that situation. The chiefs gave him every chance to remain a chief. And, you know, this is going to be a big storyline he- heading into Sunday. And yet, you know, he still lied to them and, and no one cost Kareem Hunt a position on that team more than Kareem Hunt. It was all Kareem's fault of why he's not a member of the Chiefs right now after all that debacle. And it it seemed like this had passed by. The Chiefs had moved on. You know, last year they bring in LaShawn McCoy and, you know, you you had Damian Williams playing fairly well and such, and they still won the Super Bowl. They probably would have won it the year before if Kareem Hunt actually would have been on that squad because um, they were so close to beat New England and they were better than that Rams team too. Um, you know, if he plays, they probably win the Super Bowl. But with all that being oh, said, oh, calm down now. With, with all that being said, um, it seemed like that we had all moved on. Um, and now we hear from Kareem Hunt say that this is personal. This game is personal. Um, you know, to me, Tom, uh, I know players are always looking for motivation and such, but 
if it should be personal for anybody, wouldn't it be the Chiefs? Because you could argue that he cost him a chance of a championship here. I, I don't see, you know, maybe this is him just trying to build up something that's not there, but I, I don't get it why there, there would be any animosity towards Kareem Hunt. To me, I, I had already moved on. Kareem Hunt's an afterthought. I mean, yeah, they have Clyde Allaire now, and, and you know, they had Damian last year. and I mean, they've, they've had people step up in his absence, so – uh, it's not been an issue now. If if they didn't have players step up, and you know, even Thompson got some time, and like you know, Damian Williams obviously was was the factor there, and arguably should have won Super Bowl MVP last season. Um, you know, stepping up for them, maybe that would have been a sore spot, but you know, with those players stepping up, and you know, with Le'Veon Bell even coming in. Um, it's, it's, I'm like, all right, like chiefs shouldn't be a sore spot, but they, they still could, you know, make that a point in the locker room. I mean, that's very possible. Yeah. So we'll talk about that more when, uh, Brandon joins us coming up later on in the show, but I do want to talk about the other playoff games here as we go around the uh, national football league. And we're going to pick these games coming up and our, uh, picks can pick them picks against the spread when, uh, Coach Bo joins us later on. But let's start out with uh, the Saturday games, Tom. The uh, Rams taking on the Packers, and the Packers are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, The Rams, with that nice win against Seattle last week, you know, they they lose the the backup quarterback. Jared Goff comes in with the the broken finger. Aaron Donald plays the game of his life. Now you got a Green Bay team that is coming in red-hot, off the bye week and everything here. Uh, Tom, what do you think about the Rams' chances here uh, against Green Bay? Uh, I mean, that that was quite the, the statement last week that the Rams made with that win on the road in Seattle there. Yeah, it was. And, and like the Browns that know the Steelers and the Steelers know the Browns, the Rams know the Seahawks and the Seahawks know the Rams. But um, the Rams had Jalen Ramsey kind of put the lock on DK Metcalf all season and and DeAndre Hopkins for that matter as well. Um, That Rams defense is the real deal. And, and come Saturday, they're going to have to be the real deal again because they have Devontae Adams. That's as every bit as good as DK Metcalf, probably better. Um, And and you can argue that Adams is better than DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Um, So, uh, you know, the defense is going to have to be on point because they are going to have to make up um, for the lack of a Rams offense where Jared Goff does not play good in the cold weather. Now, that could all change. Um, that was, you know, when I say doesn't play good in the cold weather, I'm referencing the 2018 Rams offense where, you know, Goff was a focal point. Um, now it's more so defensive-minded based and – they have Cam Akers from Florida State who's been showing out just at the rookie record last week against Seattle, 131 yards, the most by a rookie running back in the playoffs. So there's that. Um, and I'm sure they will be relying on the running game quite a bit because Jared Goff still has a broken thumb. Um, they have switched up that offense, though, Jones, just a little bit from 2018. It's not as potent, but it can. it's a lot more methodical than it used to be that golf is obviously a huge factor, but that defense has to show up Jones. Like we saw in the Seattle game, Jalen Ramsey has to do his best. 
or better against Devontae Adams because Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. Um, sorry, Mahomes. Uh, just he's he's like he's like he's like Tim. Mahomes is like Kobe Bryant, and Aaron Rodgers is like Tim Duncan. Just the okay. most fundamental quarterback we've seen probably of all time, um, yeah. and just maybe the most technical of all time. So uh, McVeigh and Lafleur are really good friends. So that will be interesting because you know they'll want to even coach harder against each other. Um, this is maybe an underrated game because of all the storylines. Uh, you got to watch Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. I will be watching that all day. Yeah. Um, th- that'll be a great game. Uh, I'm excited to see that matchup. And don't sleep on the Rams. I would say that I'd, I'd lean towards the, the Packers. I'd give them about an 80% chance to win this game, but it's not going to surprise me one bit if the Rams find a way to pull this off. Um, you know, Aaron Donald, and, and he, he got a little banged up in that Seattle game. Um, if he gets pressure on Aaron Rodgers, oh my, won't that be something? Um, we've seen what Khalil Mack has done to – Aaron Rodgers at times. And last time I checked, Aaron Donald's pretty better than Khalil Mack. And the team around Aaron Donald's a lot better than what Khalil Mack has in Chicago. Maybe, maybe they make it a game. Aaron Donald's going to need to have a big day if that's the case. And that that almost goes without saying uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Also on Saturday in the NFL playoffs, the Ravens taking on the Bills. And uh, Buffalo favored at two and a half. Buffalo comes in at 13 and three. They won last week against Indy. Very close game down to the wire. Indy had a chance to take it. Uh, you know, they, they were uh, right there uh, in, uh, you know, with a chance. But uh, ultimately, it was the Bills that hung on to a three-point win. Ravens get it done on the road against Tennessee. Lamar played a heck of a game. Got that playoff monkey off his back. And, you know, ran the ball like a madman of sorts here. Tom, th- th- this is a real toss-up game here between uh, Buffalo and Baltimore. And both these teams are coming in playing re- their their best football they've played all season here. Both these teams are red hot. Something's got to give. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, that the Ravens want to make an impact because last year was so good and hopes and dreams were dashed away by the Titans. And, Now they go to Buffalo. Lamar Jackson did say he hopes it doesn't snow because he said he has no experience whatsoever playing in the snow. Um, This is the time of year that it snows in Buffalo. I haven't looked at the radar, to be honest. I don't don't know if it's supposed to snow in Buffalo, uh, but I can guarantee you that any day in January, uh, the chance that it snows in Buffalo is higher than 50%. Um, So be very interesting to see what happens as far as the weather. I mean, that's two games. You know, Baltimore's fairly cold, and, you know, it's not like Lamar Jackson hasn't played in the cold before, but be very interesting to see on Saturday if it snows in one Green Bay and two in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's your, home, that's your home field advantage. Yeah, about a 50% chance of snow on Saturday in Buffalo. So – uh, that is what's ahead. Call for me Travis Myers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you, you look at these two quarterbacks, you know, Josh Allen has had an MVP caliber year 
We know Lamar Jackson won the MVP last year. Um, you know, they were in the same draft class as Baker Mayfield. Who's the quarterback you rather have on Sunday right now, Tom? Would you rather have Josh Allen or would you rather have Lamar Jackson right now? I want Josh Allen at home. Yeah. Um, you know, Lamar, he has some good receivers, you know, well, decent enough. Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, you know, and, and some other key pieces. But uh, the year that Stephon Diggs had, I, I, I'm putting my money on Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs making a huge impact. Uh, I mean, did, did Stephon Diggs lead the league in receiving? Is that? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, barely over Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey didn't play the last game. But still, um, that being said, you know, he's going to be a factor. Now, Marcus Peters, um, you know, pipeline from Kansas City, I, I guess at this point, and L.A. But um, I, I imagine that defenses will be tried to, you know, they'll try to lock down Stephon Diggs. But um, I think you can. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and and just Josh Allen. I mean, he's obviously not as quick or agile as Lamar Jackson, but I mean, the man can make some moves. Uh, I mean, he's not Jared Goff, so I mean, the game will be close, and we'll and we'll obviously talk about it later on. But it's, I mean, I I I would almost say that the line would swap either way. If it was in Baltimore, you're you're looking at two and a half towards Baltimore. It's in Buffalo. It's two and a half towards Buffalo. Um, this could be one of those home field advantage games that where it matters. And dear God, if it snows, maybe you know it's a self fulfilling prophecy for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, maybe so. I, I would take Josh Allen over uh, Lamar right now. And besides the snow or any of that, Tom, um, one quarterback throws the ball significantly better than the other, and Lamar is faster than Josh. But both are good at running the ball, obviously. Um, but Josh right now is just miles ahead in his passing game of Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar, there was one pass uh, that was picked off that he threw it short 40 yards down the field. And that concerned me. I like Lamar, don't get me wrong. And, and I hope he has a successful career. I, I'm a Lamar fan, too. I like Josh Allen. I like Lamar. But I'm concerned about Lamar and his long-term future if he does not figure out this passing game, if uh, how far they can really go in these playoffs uh, in the next several years, if he can't you know, play to his strengths and get better in the long passing game. That does concern me a bit. I'll take, uh, I-, I would take Josh Allen right now over Lamar, but it should be a good game. The other playoff game, the Bucs and the Saints. Um, we've seen these two teams play this year. Saints dominated both games, but both these teams are very different from what they were at, uh, when they met in the uh, previous two meetings. Um, with that being said, the Saints are playing really good football right now. Drew Brees is close to 100% healthy. Tom Brady and company, uh, they rallied their way to get to 11 and five and Tom had to pay me a hundred bucks because of it. Came down the wire, but I got my money. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, it seemed like, you know, there was rumblings about Brady and Arians not working together well. They've got that figured out now. So that seems to be going well between those two. Uh, Tom, what, what do you, you think about this matchup? You got the old guys, Brady and uh, Breeze here. Um, 
you know, I think that you can't also, when you're talking about just other factors involved here, Tom Brady's probably back next year. Drew Brees is playing for his life, literally. Drew Brees isn't playing again next year. Um, I think you have to take into account that every game with Drew Brees could be his last, that he is playing for everything, his last chance for a Super Bowl here. Um, Tom Brady and company, I think they're better set when they get O.J. Howard back and some of these guys, you know, another year in the Aryan system. You're almost looking ahead to next year for the Bucks, The Saints, this is the end-all, be-all. Uh, once Breeze is gone and everything, they're going to blow up that franchise. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to. Uh, I mean, it's it's obviously not your uh, – uh, what's it called? I, say, I can't even remember his name. It's obviously not Hill. Um, you know, that's not their next in line. They should have never got rid of Taysom Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Yeah. Taysom Hill, they should. That's not him. He's not the answer. Not James. Never got rid of Teddy Bridgewater. This is this is it. And it's not to say the Saints are going to go in absolute rebuild mode where they're just going to be terrible bottom of the division. But um, you know, the Bucks are going to have to do the same when Tom Brady leaves. Uh, which uh, knock on wood, if he goes out on top this year, you would imagine he'd probably hang it up. Um, seen crazier things happen, but if Brady wins it this year. I'd imagine he would hang it up, um, you know, and, and for Drew Brees, win or lose, he's hanging it up. So uh, at that point, you have the Panthers and the Falcons, and the Falcons obviously still have Matt Ryan doing Matt Ryan things. So um, if the Saints and the Bucks lose their quarterbacks, I mean, you're looking at the NFC South being maybe the, uh, the second worst division in football after that behind – um obviously the nfc east so who knows it'll be very interesting to see this game is going to be the one to watch did jones for the record for this game did you see frank callian well first off they did the history channel thing on this game and they put a uh a beard like an old gray beard on brady yeah brady posted that yeah right so rob gronkowski said he wanted morgan freeman to narrate it well, no response from Morgan Freeman, but Frank Caliendo jumped in and narrated it in the voice of Morgan Freeman. Did you see that? I did not. I'll have to check that out. That sounds yeah, fantastic. It's great. It is fantastic. And he ends it saying, you know, only on history. And it almost it's almost some Jim Nance hello friends style stuff. This this is this is gonna be a game that this is gonna feel like a throwback Peyton uh Peyton Tom game um so I'm excited for this one yeah um both these old guys have had their moments this year Tom where they've turned the ball over too much both Breeze and Brady um that's what I think this comes down to I, I know that that might be oversimplifying it but what old guy is not going to turn the football over I think determines who, who wins uh this game here yeah, and, and you know the Saints could have some good pressure on Brady, and uh, the Bucks defense is is pretty solid too. But now Michael Thomas is back with you know for Drew Brees scored his first touchdown in like over a year um, against the Bears. I, I mean, I, I think maybe that's a hot start. And uh, obviously, you watched the the Bears Saints game on Nickelodeon. What a show that was! Um, that was a lot. Right, Camara looked great. 
Yeah. He looked, he looked fantastic. And that, I think for the Saints, that will have to be a key to keep Camaro going uh, because he looked out of this world. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. You know, and, and Camaro had that great game against the Vikings on Christmas Day where he had the, the six touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, that, that'll all be uh, very big. Should be a fun one uh, come Sunday when the uh, uh, Saints and a Bucks square off there. And we'll talk about that more later on. A couple more NFL notes as uh, we continue to follow the uh, moves of the offseason. Let's start with the Eagles. They get rid of Doug Peterson as their head coach. They just won the Super Bowl three years ago with Nick Foles at quarterback. But the ownership there just didn't like Doug Peterson's plan moving forward uh, with that franchise. And it seems more and more likely now that they are going to ride with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. Um, and I got to tell you, Tom, the Eagles made the wrong decision here. Doug Peterson, I think, is a hell of a coach. Um, if you gave me the choice, if I have to choose between Peterson or Carson Wentz, I'm choosing Doug Peterson every time. Doug Peterson's the top eight coach in this league. Somebody's about to get themselves a pretty dang good head coach that we weren't expecting to be on the market. And, uh, you know, I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts by any means. I take him right now over Carson Wentz, especially at the price tag and everything. I think this is crazy to, to try to uh, hold on to Wentz and pay him all that money that he's due. And, and then on top of that, you now go open up your coaching search and try to find somebody better than Doug Peterson, which I don't think you're going to be able to do. There's not other guys just sitting out there that are guaranteed to be better than Doug Peterson. Um, and, you know, I like the enemy. I like some of these guys that are available. Peterson's a proven winner. You're not just guaranteed to find somebody better. With all that being said, who wants that job? Who would want that job if you're stuck with Carson Wentz and you saw what Carson Wentz did? And granted, I know his O-line was terrible, but Carson Wentz is washed. There's nothing there. If I have to have Carson Wentz and, you know, they, they become like the Auburn football of the NFL now, the Philadelphia Eagles have. Andy Reid wasn't good enough. Chip Kelly was out of there in two years after just after making the playoffs. Um, Doug Peterson out after winning the Super Bowl. Um, why would anyone take that job? No, thanks. Um, that became, even with them winning the Super Bowl just a few years ago and having some talented players, that's the worst job available now. No, thank you. I, I think the Eagles are a mess right now, Tom. Yeah, and I, I did see that. People were saying Doug Peterson might even take a year off just because it's been a hell of a year in Philly. Uh, Jones, another coach that's come to mind that I, I don't know if they would take the Philly job or not. I read reports that this person was going to potentially take the Jacksonville job, and that's Urban Meyer. Uh, I also heard that um, Matt Day is on the NFL coaching carousel about uh, potentially, I forget what team they said, but he was the quarterback coach. It might have been Philly um, that he was the quarterback coach on prior and that they were looking to get either Matt Day or, you know, Urban Meyer in the mix. So that'll be interesting. But, yeah, I don't think they should have fired Doug Peterson. You know, a bad year, obviously. But, you know, his previous year, it's like if, if the Rams would have been like, well, you didn't make the playoffs last year, so we're going to fire you, McVay. Um, would hey, never have happened. 
And that's oh. what pretty much just went down they in fired, Philly. They fired the wrong guy. Howie Roseman, their GM, is the guy that should be out the door. That got him in the mess of signing Carson Wentz and, and all this. That got him in this cap disaster. That's the guy they need to be letting go of, not Doug Peterson. So um, just a hot mess there in Philly right now. And, and I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, we also found out that the Bears uh, are going to bring back Ryan Pace, their GM, the same guy that passed on uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson to trade up for Mitch Trubisky and all that's transpired there within the last couple of weeks. They're bringing back him. Matt Nagy, their head coach, um, is also going to stay there. And uh, the owner said that he's he 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 likes what he's seen from them. And Mitch Trubisky is about to be a free agent. And if they franchise tag him, they'd have to pay him about $23 million uh, if they have to go that route. But there is a chance they bring back Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, I've always said with Matt Nagy that he's been put in a tough spot um, with having to coach Trubisky. So I give Nagy a pass. But Ryan Pace staying on as GM, none of that makes sense to me, Tom. Um the Bears, uh, they continue to be the Bears. This is uh, this is kind of their identity of making these uh, piss-poor decisions of of not finding a quarterback and, and doing this thing. This, this kind of goes with their identity we've seen the last 20 years of making decisions like this. Yeah, it has been. And, and you know, they had that one good year in 2018 and uh, lost in, what was that, second round? Uh, maybe the yeah. first round. Division yeah. Round. Yeah. Um, and so after that, it just kind of went downhill. You know, you trade for Khalil Mack to stiffen up that defense. And, yeah, sure, he's been, you know, good, but he's, you know, put some pieces around him. I, I think they even let Leonard Floyd go. I think that's where Leonard Floyd came from. Now Leonard Floyd's on the Rams and is having a career year. So it's, uh, you know, something something different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't get what the Bears are doing there. Uh, and uh, in that situation, if if they bring back Trubisky willingly as a with him being a free agent, and, and I've talked to Bo about this, uh, Tom, that he thinks they're going to bring back Mitch and everything. Now's your chance. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You can just let him go, move on your way. Um, go sign somebody. I don't know, Jameis Winston, somebody else, whether you draft a quarterback, whatever it may be. Now's your chance to let him walk and not cost you, not be in a situation like Carson Wentz in Philly. Why on earth would you even consider bringing Mitch back? That, that offense, I felt bad for the kids watching on Nickelodeon that they had to suffer through Mitch Trubisky and that Bears offense last week. Tom, why would you even consider it? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I don't know if they'll bring him back or not. I could see him because it's the Bears. I could see him bringing him back. But uh, really, I mean – what I mean, it really depends on who else they could go get. At this point, I would tr- I would even think about trying out, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota over Trubisky at this point. Oh yeah, Trubisky's won a playoff game. He's got experience. I think that's it. That'd be a good idea to give it a shot. Um, there's plenty of guys out there, so we'll see. Um, we will uh, be joined by Brandon Zinner of a uh, News Press Now Talk Chiefs and more playoff stuff coming up in uh, just a few moments. But before we get to that, let's uh, revisit the college football national championship game on uh, Monday night. Alabama just rolled 
over Ohio State. Nick Saban wins his seventh national title. Just unreal what uh, what Saban did winning that seventh title. And uh, his sixth at Alabama gives him the most national titles of all time of any head coach. And, you know, the, the way that they played from start to finish in that game was just unbelievable. Um, you know, they, they were they were just on it. Mac Jones was great. Devonta Smith was uh, unbelievable, had that historic first half. It was like watching uh, Tyreek Hill versus the Bucs again, like, like watching a replay of some sorts. I mean, just phenomenal what uh, the performance that Alabama put together. Ohio State, I know that they lost Trey Sermon after that first drive, but – it didn't matter if Trey Sermon was going to be there or not. Alabama was just ultimately too much. Um, they played an entire SEC schedule, 10 games, first team to ever do that. They roll through Notre Dame. They roll through Ohio State. Um, six first-team All-Americans, including the Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith. Um, and, you know, the greatest coach in the history of game, no question, Nick Saban. Tom, I think we witnessed one of the greatest teams of all time in, in Alabama. And to do it in the pandemic year and everything with that, Nick Saban at one point got COVID, had to miss a game, and they still did this. Um, uh, just what a job by Alabama. I, I can't say enough positive things about the, the, the season they had they put together. I mean, well well done on their part to, uh, to do what they were able to do. They even said it themselves. It's probably one of the best teams of all time, and I'd probably have to agree. I mean, there was no doubt. I will say, though, Jones, as soon as I saw the score, I watched one quarter of that game, and I did not watch any more of it. Uh, lowest ratings for a championship game in forever. Ever. Uh, if you want to, right, yeah, exactly. So if you want to talk about from that standpoint, yeah, it's nothing new at this point. You know, Saban's just kind of like, oh, okay, another one. Put it on, put it in the car or whatever. You know, it, you know, he's he's got it. I mean, he's he can hang it up whenever and not be a problem. And for everybody else's sake, I hope it's sooner than later because Jones, what we really want to talk about something when you go to the lowest ratings of all time, uh, the college football playoffs going to have to get expanded to eight games or more, or at, at least eight for the time being, well, uh, almost immediately. Well, let's uh, let, let's talk about that. Um, speaking of the ratings and everything, you mentioned that the lowest-rated national championship in the BCS slash college football playoff era: eighteen million viewers. And eighteen is still a lot. Don't get me wrong. That'll be the highest-rated sporting event that is not an NFL game all season. It will be, but nonetheless, it's the lowest on record. We are seeing that our country is getting a bit of Alabama fatigue. Um, you know, name brand wise, this national championship had it. Alabama and Ohio State draw bigger numbers than anybody. I mean, them and Notre Dame, um, those are the name brands that sell that that pique people's interest that they tend to see. That's what we're told historically speaking. Um, but that simply wasn't the case. People knew going in ahead of time what exactly was going to happen. Um, and so I, I get that of that Alabama fatigue that was out there. You know, I mean, uh, my dad, uh, is an avid college football fan and he turned it off at halftime. He's like, I've seen enough. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to bed. I got to work the next morning. And, you know, people like my dad would have never thought to even turn off the national championship game years ago, but that's what we're seeing. And 
I like the college football playoff. Uh, I like it better than the BCS and everything here. But what we're seeing is, Tom, that the playoff has actually hurt the sport of college football in this sense that here you've had seven seasons of this playoff and only 11 different teams have made the playoff. And so Alabama continues to get top three recruiting classes every single year. And then your other brands, your Ohio States, your Clemson's, your Oklahoma's, et cetera, are getting the top players in the country and it's hurting everyone else. Essentially what's happening is everyone else is being told you don't matter because you're not making the playoff and Alabama's getting the best of the best. And then it trickles down from there. And so essentially, um, you know, Alabama's going to dominate and everyone else is competing for second uh, at this point. And, and Nick deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done. Uh, it, it feels like we're talking about him in the same breath almost as Gino or Emma or Pat Summit of what they've done in women's college basketball, which is just insane. I never thought we'd have that discussion in college football, but here we are um, uh, with all that being said. So, you know, the, here's, here's the flip side of that as far as expansion goes. I think you need expansion to peak more interest, obviously, to show that other schools matter um, for the health of the sport, to peak interest, to get those ratings back up. You don't want to go backwards and go back to the BCS and all. But to counter that point, too, what is that really going to change? Okay, you added one more game for Alabama. Um, Alabama's still going to win that thing. Alabama, um, all you did was make it a little bit harder from them. A little bit. They're still going to win the national title. This does not help our conversation of who the best team in the country is. All it does is just gives more opportunity potentially. Um, you know, we, we've seen these blowouts a lot every year in the playoff. Who's to say, Tom, that, okay, you expand the playoff, but now we're going to see even more blowouts now because of this. So I like the idea of expanding the playoff, but I don't think this is the end-all, be-all. This doesn't solve all the issues that are going on in, in college football. Granted, college football is my favorite sport on the planet. Um, I love the pageantry, the tradition of this sport, but we got a lot of flaws, a lot of issues right now. They're, the health of, of college football is not good right now. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though, about that. Um, and, yeah, sure, I'm all for adding playoff games, but you mentioned that Alabama just blow through them, too, and they probably would. Um, I don't know how you assess a problem where you can't control parity because you can't. You can't just say, well, they have already got too many five-star recruits. You can't tell some kid to, to eat shit and go somewhere else because, well, Alabama's already got too many good players. Go to Cincinnati, go to go to Coastal Carolina, go to Oklahoma State. Please go to Oklahoma State. <laughs> you can't tell them that. Um, so I don't. I don't know. You you can't police that. And so until you know, every so often we get a changing of the guard. And is it going to take Nick Saban to to retire? Maybe hopefully soon. Hopefully. Hopefully this month. Um, uh, I mean, people are picking off coaches 
from Alabama, and it still didn't change anything. I guarantee you Texas isn't going to do shit next year with Steve Sarkeesian. Texas even poached the Alabama offensive line coach, and I guarantee you they're still going to shit the bed next year. Um, it's That's just the Texas way. Um, but it, I, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, it, Clemson doesn't, it's not going to have Trevor Lawrence. I guarantee you they still make the playoff. Um, you know, these name brands get built in and that's what it is for three decades. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know in what, then that's a, you know, even the discussion for a, another day, because, you know, we have a limited amount of time <laughs> to do this show, but we could spend three hours talking about in what ways do we try to, you know, make college football the parody be more adamant not not so much you're you're just your blue right. buds and I, I don't know a way jones to be honest i don't know a way that you can and so, so old buddy some- tim brando mentioned it as well that it that even the college football player might have hurt college football oh yeah um and, and you know the controversy that was involved although it frustrated us the sport thrived off controversy of a team getting left out and then being motivated to go win the Fiesta Bowl or, or something like that. You know, the split national championship in 03 between LSU and USC, although it w- it sucked for USC that they didn't get a shot at the national championship, um, it still made for uh, a heck of a discussion. And, uh, you know, it motivated them for that next season to go win the thing outright and such like that. Um, the, the idea I've, I've had for playoff expansion, Tom, uh, that I think is the best idea is that all power five conferences, their conference champ gets an automatic bid. And then you give two at larges, and then you give an automatic bid to the highest ranked, uh, group of five conference team. But even in that scenario, and this is where I mean, there's no perfect solution that you still have this parity issue of some sorts. Um, Pretty much Alabama is going to make the playoff every year. Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Before the thing even starts in that scenario, you know those four teams are in. And then you're figuring out who the other four is going to be. And the group of five team might sneak a playoff win, but you know they're not really going to go far. And then the other two teams you're talking about are the fifth to eighth best teams in the country, and you don't know really what they – are capable of. I mean, at that point, they they weren't going to be a top four team and make the old system even at that point. So um, that's that's the issue here. It's just that parity that we already know too much before it even starts. And you know, it, it, it also I would credit to just where recruiting's changed, Tom. Even within the last ten years, ten years ago, recruiting was still regional. Uh, Miami, Florida, Florida State all could just recruit the state of Florida and, you know, they, they could be competitive just on recruiting Florida kids. Now with the way things have gone with travel and social media and everything, recruiting's national. Everybody's recruiting national. So I think that's what's changed is that uh, the, the recruiting aspect, you're not recruiting, you're not just trying to win the states of Oklahoma and Texas or, you know, in, in the Pac-12's case, California schools. Those California kids are like, well, you know, I, I don't want to play at nine o'clock at night, you know, in, you know, of Oregon versus Arizona. Uh, why don't I go to Alabama or something like that or go play, 
you know, in, in the SEC. I mean, it, it's the game has just changed from a recruiting standpoint. That's that's a big reason why we're not we're not doing regional recruiting anymore. Right, and just you know, the other other players from the team can even reach out to you know the recruits, and I mean it's because of social media, because of Instagram, because you know even of websites like Huddle where you can show your game tape. Uh, so maybe gyms that would have stayed in state are getting noticed more um, than, than not in, in getting these national offers or being able to market themselves towards these bigger name programs that might have not reached out prior or they might not have you know been able to have the access to see that person or that kid. Um, and so now I think social media, I think if, if I would point at that, that that has been the biggest marketing tool, not only for the universities, but for the recruits. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a whole different ball game now. And uh, you, you look towards next season, um, you know, Alabama, they're going to come up again. Georgia is going to be really talented. Oklahoma is uh, going to be really stacked uh, as well. I think those are kind of your top three teams, but kind of goes with what we've been saying. Georgia is a perennial top 10 team every year. Alabama, you know, a top two team every year. Oklahoma's won how many Big 12 titles in a row? It's par for the course. The game's changing college football. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the direction of this sport. Still love it and uh, hope that's the best. But I will say, to end on a positive note, not trying to just bash college football and set all concern and everything. Credit where credit's due, Tom. You know, the, the Corona Bros did everything they could to stop this college football season from happening. Um, you know, you, you had these buffoons like Kevin Warren and the Big Ten uh, trying to get in the way, you know, trying to put a moral compass on it. And, uh, you know, Greg Sankey of the SEC, he fought like hell. Uh, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, you know, he fought and all these guys, you know, make it happen. I know it wasn't a great season. You know, COVID really didn't mess with things. And, you know, we didn't have a great playoff or anything like that. But just to get to the finish line, to get to the championship, to play it on time, nobody thought that was possible that was going to happen. And we got through it. And it may not have been the best season, but we got to have it. I got to go to some games this past year. Um, I'm just thankful that we had it because although the sport has taken some steps backwards, um, the biggest step backwards of all would have been if there would have been no season. If we would not have had a season, uh, that would have set college football back a generation. So uh, I'm glad that we had had a year, Tom. It could have been a whole lot worse as far as the future goes for this sport if uh, if we didn't have a season at all. And uh, you know, CBS Sports, they put out a, a story before the beginning of the year. They promised we were going to report on, uh, you know, who all dies from COVID from playing college football and what this is going to do, you know, medically. There were no serious COVID issues. There were no long-term things that happened. Nobody died from playing college football uh, and getting COVID and such. It was much to do about nothing. The Corona Bros took a big L and we got to have a college football season. So for that time, I'm thankful. Yeah, it was uh, a season that was in jeopardy from the beginning. And we did, we made it to the end, played some bowl games. I was a season ticket holder and went to several games and, you know, enjoyed myself. It's, it's definitely not the same 
in still water without any tailgating. Uh, but, you know, hopefully this next year, this, you know, this next season upcoming, hopefully we get to a point where we can have tailgating because that's part of what call it, you know, makes college football all that more special as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so. And, and uh, if I were to guess based on where we're at with the vaccine and, and COVID and everything, I think we're going to have full stadiums next fall. I think we're going to be back to normal in college football. I sure hope so. I think that we're going to be back to normal. We're not going to be wearing masks. We're not going to be doing that. We're going to be back to normal, full 70, 80, 90, 100,000 seat stadiums come college football season in uh, 2021. That's my hope anyway. But uh, with that being said, we'll move on. We'll bring in uh, Brendan Zinner next to talk Chiefs and uh, NFL playoffs. We'll get his analysis and more when he joins us coming up next, right here on the Jones Report. Join us now from News Press Now in St. Joe's. It is Brendan Zinner, who's back at the Jones Report once again as we're talking all things Chiefs as they gear up for the postseason. And, Brendan, appreciate the time. As always, man, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, just getting ready. Uh, it was a little bit of a lackluster NFL playoff wildcard weekend, I felt like. Uh, a lot of uh, not great football, but anytime we get to see Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers take the field, uh, you know the level is going to go up only from there. And uh, so, man, I'm pumped for some more football this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you're up there in St. Joe, of course, working with uh, with News Press. Uh, tell us how things are going there, man. What's, uh, what's going on in St. Joe these days? Oh, you know, we're waiting uh, for uh, for Chiefs training camp to come back. That's our, that's our big thing with the Chiefs and uh, with the limited uh, access to the facility and, uh, and to games. Uh, it's weird. It's a different way of covering the Chiefs this year because we don't have the access uh, that we usually we usually do. But uh, Northwest Missouri State and Missouri Western men's basketball this year, two of the top 16 teams in the country uh, right now, both tied for first place in the league. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a blast covering them right now. And uh, spring sports getting ready to start up in the next month or so in the MIAA with uh, uh, all the Division II teams in the area. And then just uh, staying tuned in, everything KU, Mizzou, uh, everything they're doing. And uh, high school basketball, we got a lot of good ones around here. Uh, and, and a girl just up north in Maryville who – K-State fans, anyone who's paying attention, uh, Serena Sundell, she's going to be a star there for, for a couple of years. So uh, keeping a close eye on everything high school basketball as well. Nice, nice. I had uh... – yeah, high school football this past year, the uh, the Spoof Hounds once yes. uh, this year, and uh, that's a that's a good program. I, I like their their head coach what they got going on. So certainly uh, some good stuff. That it seems like you guys got going on there in uh, St. Joe. Uh, Brandon, let's jump right after it with the uh, Chiefs. This uh, game against the Browns. What do you think about this matchup against Cleveland to uh, open up the playoffs for the Chiefs? Uh, I think it's an interesting one. Just to kind of you go back to the playoffs last year. Uh, the story was the was the run game coming in against the Chiefs, and uh, the Chiefs kind of shut down that narrative uh, against Derrick Henry. I think he had 69 yards in that AFC Championship game, and and it's a it's a different beast this week with the Browns coming in a lot of momentum uh, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and everything they're able to do, and Baker Mayfield, uh, one of the better games we've seen him have as a uh, as a quarterback. I think he had uh, 200 over 250 yards, three touchdowns. 115 quarterback rating and a, a defense that doesn't really turn the ball or take, take the ball away much. They had five turnovers. Some of that uh, due to big Ben, maybe just being a little old and, and that offense is not looking well uh, in tip top shape, but 
man, this Brown, uh, Browns team, they got some momentum coming into Kansas City, and uh, it's going to make for an exciting matchup. Well, and, uh, you know, this Browns team was not supposed to win last week in Pittsburgh, and now you come into Kansas City with a team that has essentially nothing to lose at this point. That's dangerous territory for anybody to deal with, let alone how well the Browns have played here in the last six, seven weeks, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. And it is the Browns team that has kind of turned the corner the last half of the season. I mean, a couple couple weeks ago, we thought the Dolphins were going to be in the playoffs. They seemed like shoe wins. And then uh, here you go. They, they kind of have a collapse over the last couple weeks. And uh, we know everything that happened with Tua and, and Fitzmagic. And then uh, the Browns kind of just right the ship and uh, they find a way to get in the last second, them and the Colts. And and momentum is uh, – it, it's not something that shows up in the box score, but it's it's one of the biggest factors – especially when it comes to the playoffs. And, and it can be a dangerous thing if, uh, if Kansas City shows up rusty at all this week. Yeah, and uh, one of the big storylines, of course, with this game is Kareem Hunt, one of the uh, two star backs there in Cleveland alongside Nick Chubb. And, uh, you know, of course, a, a former member of the Kansas City Chiefs led the league in rushing one year while he was in Kansas City. And, and uh, you know, there was that breakup when, uh, when he was caught lying to the team after the – the video that came out and eventually, you know, the chief released him and such and found his way to Cleveland. And, uh, and Brandon, after all that, I, I thought it was all kind of, you know, water under the bridge of sorts. And both sides have moved on. The Chiefs got their Super Bowl and everything. But then we hear from Kareem Hunt this week say that this game's personal. What, what do you make of all this as far as uh, their first matchup against Kareem uh, since uh, the, the breakup of sorts that happened a couple years ago now? I mean, I'd be kind of upset too if I was uh, if I was possibly the best offensive weapon on a team, and then I messed up and I got released, and then I watched the team go on to win a, a Super Bowl that next week. I think a lot of it for Kareem was just the emotion. Uh, maybe he, he's excited to be back at Kansas City. I think I don't think he has any ill will against against the players, and 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 I think he knows deep down that it was the right thing. I mean, he he had multiple opportunities to tell the truth as organization and, and they could have had it all handled. And uh, that's unfortunately not how things worked out. I'm sure there'll be some, some pregame hugs and Andy Reid will, will say his hellos to him and as Travis and Patrick and, and, and all those guys. And I think a lot of it was Kareem just in the, in the moment that team won their first playoff game in over 20 years. And he's kind of from that area. And uh uh, it, it is what it is. I don't think it's as big a storyline as uh, as we've kind of made it out to be since that Browns went over the Steelers. Sure, sure. And uh, and Baker Mayfield, the way that that he's played down the stretch, you mentioned uh, you know how well his quarterback rating is and everything. These games, um, you know, th- this team doesn't have a whole lot of experience. It, it's it's so interesting that just a couple years ago we were talking about this up and coming Chiefs team, and now. The roles have reversed of sorts here. The Chiefs are, are the establishment between the two here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially with the Browns, uh, something that we haven't even talked about since the early part of the season, that they don't have Odell Beckham Jr., who's one of the five best wide receivers in the league when he's playing. And, and this Browns team, it's uh, it's interesting to see just how how they've kind of turned things out. They had so many top-round picks who were just bust for such uh, such a long time going back to starting with uh sorry to throw his name out there Brandon Whedon a guy I'm sure <laughs> that you are high on but man they got Miles Garrett and since they drafted Miles Garrett it's only been up and up for this team Baker Mayfield uh looks like he's kind of had a resurgence here these these past couple weeks and it was just a couple years ago when Chiefs drafted Mahomes and and they were the kind of up-and-coming team and now they're a staple and 
and this Browns team, they're, I think they're only a couple pieces and a couple playoff wins away from becoming a staple uh, in this AFC for some time yeah. uh, here in the near future. Well, and, uh, and John Dorsey drafted both quarterbacks in this game here. Uh, you know, Mahomes and Mayfield, they, they go back a bit, these guys do, uh, when, uh, when Mahomes was, at, uh, was a recruit and uh, Mayfield uh, hosted his visit to uh, Texas Tech there. Yeah, and then and then you fast forward to college, and uh, of course we we talk about the story all the time. The sixty six to fifty nine shootout where Mahomes had like eighty two pass attempts, and I think mine for like twelve hundred yards, and and like thirteen touchdowns, something ridiculous like that. Mayfield got the better of that that matchup, Oklahoma and Texas Tech. But uh, Patrick Mahomes went up there uh, two years ago, and and he's one and zero against Baker, and uh, I, I think it's a cool storyline, something that. Uh, they're, they're both competitors, and, and it's a friendly rival. I don't think there's any any hatred between them at all, but it's going to be something fun to pay attention to in the coming years. And, uh, well, man, what a bigger stage in the AFC Divisional round. Yeah, and you mentioned that shootout they had a couple a couple of years ago there in college. Uh, the, the matchup they had in uh, Baker's – I believe it was his rookie year – wasn't nearly as close, wasn't a high-scoring game at all. This game here, with the way the Browns' offenses emerge, what we know the Chiefs' offense is capable of, do you think we're going to see a shootout on Sunday? What say you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think this is a game where both teams definitely have potential to be in the in the 30s. We haven't seen the Chiefs win a game by double digits, I believe, since before they lost to the Raiders. I, or, or right right around there, they have I think seven straight, eight straight, something like that, wins by single digits, and even by maybe one score. This is a Chiefs team that. For whatever reason, I don't really have it picked out, but team, teams still have, find a way to, to stay in the game. And this Cleveland team, the way that they're playing, you got to think that they're coming in with all that momentum and the, the firepower that they do have. I mean, they have guys like Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins is playing really well. And in the run, the running backs, they can maybe control the clock a little bit. And whether you think that's the right strategy to try to do against the Chiefs or not, uh, they're definitely going to be able to – to do that and this definitely has potential for both of these teams to, to come away with 30 or plus points in this matchup yeah let's uh, let's break down some specifics with the chiefs starting with the offensive line uh how does that shape out i know they were hoping to have mitchell schwartz back in time for the playoffs they had uh, of course a couple of weeks off with the bye week and rest of the starters and everything there for that charger game what's kind of the status of that offensive line is uh does schwartz do you think they're going to have him some of those guys what's What's things look uh, on that front as far as that offensive line goes? Now this afternoon, uh, Monday afternoon, or uh, Wednesday afternoon when we're talking, uh, Mitchell Schwartz has been ruled out. Uh, Andy Reid said that he's uh, he's still not quite back where he needs to be, not able to do anything on the field. And so Mitchell Schwartz not going to have him back this week. Mike Remmers did practice in full, which is good because uh, th- this team – the Chiefs have given up a, a lot of a lot of pressure on Mahomes these past couple of weeks, and it's kind of been uh, trial by fire for a lot of this team. But uh, Mike Remmers looks like he's going to be coming back, and and uh, they're gonna, it looks like at, at least as healthy as they've been in maybe five weeks or so. Uh, it looks like this Chiefs team should should be pretty close there. Eric Fisher as well looks like he's uh, not going to have any problems. He's been dealing with some issues as well. Uh, but Chiefs offensive line, it looks like they should be taking a step in the right direction. Well, they need to uh, going up against Miles Garrett here. Yeah, and, and it, what's interesting is I was looking at the analytics. The uh, even with Miles Garrett, this Browns team only ranks 15th in in sacks and even lower in quarterback pressure and hits, and which is kind of interesting. With you would think they have Miles Garrett, but they don't have. Uh, they just lost Olivia Vernon, obviously for the playoffs. That's a, that's a big blow for this uh, defensive line and. Uh, 
Miles Garrett, anytime he's on the field, you got to pay attention uh, to that man, whether he's got someone else's uh, helmet in his, in his hand or not. He's he's a dangerous man, and uh, he, he can wreak havoc on a game. I think a lot we we see similarities with with guys like Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack and those kind of guys on the line. Miles Garrett has that ability, and now that he's got a, a playoff wind under his belt, he's he's only got to be feeling great going into a matchup, uh, having that experience for the first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when it comes to this offense, uh, we have seen the last few years Sammy Watkins really take a step up and play that that's playoff Sammy Watkins. Uh, you know, That's made him seems like a whole different player from what we see in the regular season. Uh, what's uh, what's kind of the expectations for Sammy and kind of the these skill position guys here uh, as a, as they begin the postseason? Well, hopefully Sammy's back. We, we he, he's missing time. Uh, with an with an injury and and we we didn't see him the last couple of weeks of the year and and so if the, if the Chiefs have him back it's obviously going to be great he was fantastic in the playoffs fantastic in the Super Bowl obviously we're all going to remember him for the that Richard Sherman catch that he had in the fourth quarter to get him get him down uh, deep in the red zone Sammy Watkins is a guy who can come in and uh, he hasn't done a whole lot all year over 400 yards receiving still but he can be a guy who comes out and tortures you for seven catches 120 yards and a touchdown and certainly capable of that deep threat and uh, it's just a matter of who who's going to be that number three receiver for Mahomes when you have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are the clear number one and number two, no debate. Um, McCall Hardman capable of coming out and having 70, 70 receiving yards with, with some jet sweeps in there as well. And then, then Marcus Robinson, we know what he's capable of on any given day as well. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of, of who Mahomes is going to. And Sammy Watkins is definitely capable of, of being that number three receiver on any given day. And uh, what's it looking like for uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at this point? Well, he, he's back at practice, and uh, Andy Reid saying that he is ahead of schedule, which is uh, which is great considering what we all thought whenever he came off that field uh, in, in that loss, or in, in whenever he came off the field, rather. Uh, it, it looked nasty. We were thinking maybe some serious sort of hip injury or knee or ankle or hamstring. Who knows what it was, but it sounds like he, he has a real chance to play this weekend, and uh, that's very surprising considering what we, what we saw whenever he left the field, and he couldn't move on his own very much. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good news there. Uh, you know, Brandon, I've been I've made the point all season long that when it comes to this Chiefs offense, that uh, I'm of the belief they've only been playing at about seventy to maybe eighty percent what they're capable of. That they've really just got to, you know, they haven't shown a whole lot yet at this point. And you know, that I expect them to really unleash something, have something we haven't seen before in the postseason. Is that kind of what you're sensing too, or are you feeling the same way that we haven't seen the best of this Chiefs offense, what they're capable of here? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen it, and we've seen it in spurts where early, early in the games, they'll have some some exotic play calls, the the Ferrari right that we've seen, uh, stuff like that. We've seen it early in games, and then sprinkled in throughout. But we haven't seen a whole game where Andy Reid just goes full out on the screen game or or where they're dedicated to getting the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands, whether it's him wind up in the backfield or do whatever they can to, to, to get the most out of every single play. They've kind of strolled through some of these games, it feels like, and maybe that's why I haven't been winning games by double digits. But it's playoff time now. We know the record with Andy Reid uh, off of a bye week. And in, in every single bye week for Andy Reid and Mahomes, they're averaging, I think it is, 38 points a game. Uh, off the bye week, even with a 50-point performance sprinkled in there. So uh, Andy Reid in the bye week is a dangerous thing, and then you add the rest that they got on top of it, uh, and then you got the best quarterback in the league in your hands as well. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, well, and uh, just Browns, Browns could be in for a long day. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're lucky the Chiefs have played four playoff teams this year: the uh, the Bucks, the Saints, the Ravens, and the Bills. And all four of those games have been leading by double digits. I mean, there, there's something different. This team knows when to step up. I mean, it, it's it's similar to it in a sense, Brandon. It feels like uh, kind of like what we see with the Warriors in the NBA back when they had their run for a bit, where maybe they were kind of going through the motions in the regular season, but they knew when to when to turn it on when it mattered. Of sorts. Yeah, yeah, and we we saw that in those regular season matchups. They all ended up being close games, but. Uh, this team, this team knows when it's time to turn it on, and and they have the the superstars with the right mindsets to be able to do that. I mean, Travis Kelsey, we know the Hall of Fame talent that he is. I mean, he he's become the lifeblood of this offense, and and you have a guy like Tanner Mathrow on defense who is just such a phenomenal leader, and and everything that he's able to do with with rallying this team, and and no better guy to, to lead the helm than than Andy Reid who's going to have this team focused uh, in, in a great game plan in store and ready to lead a, a Chiefs team. And uh, what better time to, to play your best game uh, in, in about two or three months than, than right now, coming up on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brandon Zinner from uh, News Press Now and St. Joe joining us here at the Jones Report this week. Brandon, uh, let's move on and talk about the defense. The defensive line has certainly been the story that uh, certainly what folks have talked about throughout 2020 uh, as far as their lack thereof performance, at least what we're accustomed to seeing in particular with uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, both with the money that uh, that they're being paid. But the last quarter of the season, those guys stepped up a bit, and the def- defensive line did a better job getting more pressure. Uh, you look at that Dolphins game uh, in particular. What do you think of, uh, of that defensive line? Do you think we're going to see them uh, really step up here and, and uh, continue on that trajectory, what we saw at the end of the uh, regular season there? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think so much we uh, as as analysts and whatnot and as fans, we like to look at sack numbers a lot. And and this team doesn't get a whole lot of sacks, but but they are phenomenal at getting to the quarterback. They have one of the best quarterback uh, pressure percentages, as well as uh, they have 99 quarterback hits this year, which I think is top seven in the NFL. And and just those are 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 really good, promising that, uh, for, for this team. Uh, they had 12, I think, hits against Matt Ryan. And, and you put all of that together when, when you're getting after the quarterback, that helps the secondary, which, which they have a top five defensive pass rating in, in this league. And uh, when you have guys like, like Legereus Sneed and, and Bishabrio and Traverius Ward, and then obviously all the safeties, uh, the defensive line is really setting all this up and setting up the defense for success in the pass game by with how guys are getting after the quarterback led by Chris Jones and, and Frank Clark. And then uh, we saw Alex Okafor got a sack against the Falcons as well. And then, a guy like Treshawn Wharton, who stepped up as a rookie undrafted throughout the regular season. Uh, it, it's, it starts up front with these guys, and as they're just able to get in the backfield and, and make a quarterback uncomfortable, and, and that could be big against uh, a guy like Baker Mayfield on the road for the first time in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, then you go to the, the secondary. Uh, Jarius Sneed said a very good rookie year. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ward, Breland, uh, those guys, Tyron Matthew, of course. Uh, what, what do you think of the uh, the secondary? Uh, you know whether it's this week against the uh, the Browns against you know Landry and Hooper, or next week against Diggs, you know potentially or or Marquise Brown, whoever it may be. Th- these guys have quite an interesting challenge. The secondary does going up against some good uh, receiving cords here the next few weeks. Yeah, and it's interesting because 
I mean, Traverius Ward, we saw him as one of the one of the up and rising cornerbacks in the league last year, and he hasn't had nearly the same the same season this year. But a guy like Lajarius Sneed coming back from injury, he was phenomenal uh, against the Falcons. Yeah, and then also in in the last game of the season, Lajarius Sneed has looked like possibly the best cornerback in this in this uh, in this team. And then Breland, he is just such a rock back there, and. Uh, you you can leave him on an island and and he's played he doesn't get a lot of uh, national recognition but man he's been great for this team and, and Tyron Matthew uh, with all the picks that he has this year and how he's just seemingly in in in, uh, in every play we didn't see a whole lot from Matthew I felt in the first half of the year I, I didn't think he played all that well the first eight weeks of the season but he he's turned his game around and I think whenever we talked about uh, these guys know when to step up. I think it starts with Matthew on that defense, and and I think he uh, he's he's kind of turned it around, and he's playing some of his best ball this season coming yeah. into the playoffs. And and they're going to have some big tests, as you said. Jarvis Landry's a tough matchup, and and they're going to have a tough matchup if they're able to advance the AFC Championship, whether it's Stephon Diggs or or all the, the all the speed and trying to tackle Mar Jackson and and stop Marquise Hollywood Brown, and of course right. all, all the the tight ends they have with Mark Andrews. Yeah, uh, but, but I think the secondary is uh, playing pretty well, and, and they should have confidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tyrod Matthew, you, you mentioned him. The second half of the season and that run that he had of getting all those interceptions and just flying over the field, all over the field. He was elected an All-Pro once again. Uh, the, the, the last half of this year, this feels like the best football we've seen of Tyrod Matthew's career at this point. It's amazing the level this guy's playing at right now. And and I expect him to even loosen him up more. We see a lot of times where he's getting uh, he's getting hits in the backfield in the run game, or or sending him on a blitz here and there to surprise the quarterback. We haven't even seen a whole lot of that. I feel this year. I feel like a lot of it's been him playing him playing deeper. And I don't know if that's just because the, the we haven't seen a whole lot of one one Thornhill. It's it's kind of odd how much he's played, and he hasn't he really hasn't seen the field a whole lot, especially in the role that he had last year. I don't know if it's it's a uh, it's it's because of that that they're keeping him a little bit deeper and we don't see him up on the line of scrimmage as much uh, because of that but uh who knows going this week maybe Juan Thornhill is now 100 percent and and they're ready to, to send him out to the wolves and and Tyron can kind of go back to that robber uh that kind of bandit role that you see sometimes in in, in college that's what I've heard re- referred to as a bandit sure and, uh, and I and I think Thornhill or I think um Matthew yeah we're good to see him on full display come this week now, now, I'm very curious about this, Brandon. Uh, we, we've the people we've talked to about this over the last few weeks. Almost everybody's on the same page. But what say you are? Are you uh, on the side of less Dan Sorensen? Need to see less Dirty Dan out there. What, what do you think of uh, of Dirty Dan? I, I, I've seen enough. No, no more Dan Sorensen, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's tricky because I mean you have to play somebody out there, and, and for right. some reason they just don't have the confidence in in one right now. I don't know if it's he he's still not a hundred percent off at ACL. Still right now it's it's just barely over twelve months since he tore it. And Tyron Matthews, a guy who who whenever he first came to the team, he said whenever he's coming off his ACL, it took him sixteen months to feel like he was back to one hundred percent. So uh, I I don't really know what's what it is, Dan. He I'll, I'll tell you this. We saw him in the playoffs last year, and he was great in the playoffs last year. If it's not for Dirty Dan, we're probably not winning that Texans game. He flipped that game around on special teams with the with the kickoff return and with the with the punt return, sniffing out that. And uh, so, hey, maybe maybe just keep him on special teams. Um, but 
there, there's a, there's enough pieces back there. I, I don't mind some dirty Dan. Uh, some people have a big problem with Ben Neiman. I see more Ben Neiman slander on Twitter than I do dirty Dan, but it, oh. it's all, it's all warranted in my ben, eyes. Ben Neiman and, uh, uh, oh, uh, Kaiser, the uh, tight end, uh, both those guys, yeah. uh, I, I think are public enemies. Number one, two, and Dirty Dan be right up there too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I get that where you're coming from. Uh, looking at the path to, to get to Tampa, if you win this week, you get either the bills or the Ravens, either one would be coming to Kansas city. Brandon, who would you rather face? If you're the chiefs, you've beat both of them this year. Who would you rather face between those two? Personally, I think it's it's tricky because I I, I trust the Chiefs against Ravens offense and really well, but for whatever reason, they just haven't. The Ravens offense hasn't had success against the Chiefs. But then flip side, the Ravens defense, oh boy, they are playing a phenomenal. I think them and the Rams might have the best defenses left in the National Football League playoffs. But then opposite of that, I think I think the Bills defense is a little exposable, and they can go up against them if you can avoid guys like Tre'Davious White. Um, I, I think there's still some holes in that Bills defense, but Josh Allen, man, he kind of has just that Mahomes it factor. I think we're seeing that come to life, and and people are just waiting for it to fade away, and and it's not. And a guy like Stephon Diggs is not one to mess around. As a as a Vikings fan, I've watched that guy for years, and he's just phenomenal, and he deserves all the recognition he's getting. I think I would still rather play the Ravens. I trust the Chiefs to to score more than this Ravens team, and. And I, and I think Lamar still didn't even play his best game last week. And, and people thought he played fantastic. This, that Ravens passing game still, it's still just not there. And, and I think the chiefs can find a way to scheme around that and, and limit the limit this Ravens offense. And if you got to outscore somebody, I'd rather try to outscore the Ravens than I would try to outscore Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, uh, and, and Cole Beasley. Let's give all pro Cole Beasley some love as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And, uh, you know, the, the Bills, if they play their A game, uh, the, the Bills probably win. You know, the, the Chiefs can't have a Ford if, if you put it in a situation of I think they could beat the Ravens even if the Ravens are playing their A game. But if the Bills are playing their A game based on how they've played right now, that momentum you mentioned being a real thing, it would be hard to, to think of uh, the Chiefs coming away with that victory. So we'll see. The, the NFC side is, uh, you know, pretty fascinating. There are four teams left, Packers, Saints, Bucks, and uh, the Rams. How do you think that's going to shape out? Who do you think the Chiefs uh, could end up facing if uh, they do make it in Tampa against one of those NFC teams? You can make a case, honestly, for any of these four teams that come out of the NFC. Uh, people might say the Rams, how are they going to come out, but Jalen Ramsey's the best probably defensive player in the league, not named Aaron Donald. And if he can shut down Devontae Adams this week, then then that game is wide open if if the Rams are able to keep momentum. I still like the Packers to come out on top of them, but that's going to be a fascinating matchup. And then, oh, boy, Bucks saints That's like the game that might be getting the least amount of publicity, and that might be the most exciting game of the weekend. I, I like I like the Bucks to go on the road and, and get it done. I think – I think they're playing their best ball of the year. And and we watched the Saints on Nickelodeon. That game was well-deserved to be on Nickelodeon because it was <laughs> uh, it was more of a, just a comedy for children than it was a fascinating football game. If, if they're not giving the ball to Kamara, I don't know what they're doing. They just look like a team that's just out of funk. And, and Drew Brees, he doesn't have the same zip he had. Michael Thomas is, 
isn't what he was earlier in the year and especially last year. And, and so if, if you're telling me Tom Brady has to go up to Lambeau, man, that's going to be a phenomenal NFC championship game. And I don't know, I still think Aaron Rodgers is playing on another level and, and that defense has enough to make some stuff happen with Zadarius, uh, Zadarius uh, Smith up front and, and all those guys. Uh, I'd like a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl uh, if, okay. I, if I was a betting man. Sure, sure. So, so a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl. Uh, Brandon gets to make the trip to Tampa, enjoy himself down there, and and, and everything. Um, do you, what do you think of, of a Chiefs matchup with with Green Bay? Do you think uh, this team would match up well against this uh, this Packer bunch? I, I think so, especially when you look. It, it's going to be they don't have a guy who can necessarily shut down a guy like Devontae Adams, but they have enough pieces where they can. But they they can disguise what they're doing against uh, against Green Bay, and I think then you'd kind of want to, to force them to run Aaron Jones and and just pray you can can outscore them. And I have I have faith that this Chiefs offense can go outscore anybody, especially Travis Kelsey. Is we don't talk enough about how he's playing at an absurd level, like what how Devontae Adams is viewed among wide receivers. It's it's that plus more with how much Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey has separated himself. Uh, from that group, and and I think he's ready to go out and just have a hundred yard games every single time he's on the field. This playoffs, I don't think there's anybody who can stop him. I don't know how you scheme up and stop him. Nobody has all year long, and so as long as Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, there's no drama between them going forward. Uh, I don't know why there ever would be. Sure, uh, give me give me Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the bunch to to roll through, and they're they're gonna be close games. But I, I have faith that this offense is going to be rolling enough to to walk away with the Super Bowl title. Yeah, Brandon, I, I'm with you 100. percent That was the matchup I had was uh, was Kansas City Green Bay with Kansas City winning. It. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Brandon, where can people uh, follow you and see all the uh, great work you're doing in uh, St. Joe, man? Uh, you can go over on Twitter to search my name, Brandon Zenner, and uh, I'm only one of two of them in the world. So uh, don't follow the author from Delaware. Follow the sports writer, sports anchor from from St. Joseph's, MP Now Zenner, uh, or you can just go to newspressnow.com and find all everything we're doing on there. A lot of Chiefs coverage all week long. Going to be going to be pounding it out and and getting ready for uh, for what's going to be a fun weekend of football, uh, including down at Arrowhead Chiefs Browns. I, I I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait either. Uh, Brandon, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll have you back on again uh, down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Sounds good. Anytime, Tyler. Big thanks to Brandon Zinner for joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Tyler Jones here with you. It is time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em, our picks against the spread, where we pick each game that is remaining on the schedule and we have an ongoing tally that uh, we keep track between uh, our uh, picks group, between myself, Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group, and our uh, football insider, uh, T.J. Reeves, uh, as well. And just to give a quick update on the standings, T.J. is so far back below 500, we don't even worry about him. Uh, he's a non-factor, as he's been all season. Um, but Thomas is leading. He's got about a three-game lead on Bo and I. And so we got some work to do with seven games to go to try to make up ground on uh, Thomas. We'll bring in Brian O'Connor right now of O'Connor Advisory Group. Bo, hope you're doing well, my friend. What's going on with uh, OAG this week? Man, it's a busy week. You know, first of the year, we're helping everybody who's going through the new year, new me. 
trying to get their money right. Uh, you know, joining us on our Facebook chats and then, uh, or I'm sorry, our Zoom chats that we're doing through Facebook and then um, a few other things, just trying to help as many folks as we can help right now. I like it. That's uh, that's great to see. And uh, you can check out O'Connor Advisor Group online for more information on OAGKS.com and O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com and uh, check out what uh, O'Connor Advisor Group's got going on there. And uh, where else can uh, people reach out to you? You got some Zoom, some some other stuff going on, Bo? Yeah, so we're going to be doing a Zoom call here. We're going to be doing Tuesday evenings, uh, 6.30 Central Time. Um, we're going to be we're going to be releasing those links on our Facebook page. So look up O'Connor Advisory Group. It's O apostrophe C O N N O R Advisory Group. Uh, check us out. Like our page. Um, you know, go on there. Give us a big rating. Help us out. Uh, but on there weekly, you'll see our um, uh, we're calling it the kickoff 2021 uh, 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 meetings. We're doing them again Tuesday nights. You can log in. You just click the link. Go into Zoom. Uh, I'm going to speak for about 10 minutes on just a, a common subject. We did budgeting this past week. Uh, last week, we talked about the art of saving. And then uh, we've got some other subjects coming up. If you have a subject you'd like me to talk about, feel free to reach out to me. You can go to uh, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, O-A-G-K-S.com. There is a contact me link right there. And uh, you can get a message directly to me. Uh, that's a great way to do that. But uh, join us on those calls. I'm staying on afterwards for as long as I need to to make sure that anybody and everybody who has questions can get them answered. Or just if you've got ideas and you're wondering if you just want to have someone, a professional, take a look at it, give me a shout. I'd love to chat with you. It's a yeah. great way to get kind of a free look at what we do. We want to be your partner at O'Connor Advisory Absolutely. Group. Absolutely. Uh, check out Bo and the gang, O'Connor Advisory Group, online at oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Also, by phone, it's 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Tom, we mentioned you got a three-game lead. So here's what I'm going to do to make things interesting. Um, with a three-game lead that Tom has, with seven games to go, from here on out, as long as Tom has a lead, and, and just to you know have a little more fun in this of sorts, and we, we always have fun, of course, doing this, um, Tom, I'm going to let you pick the games first on each game individually. And you got to do what you can to protect this three-game lead over this next seven-game stretch. So we, don't be like the Warriors up 3-1. That's kind of the position you're in right now, uh, Tom. So the, all the pressure's on you, no one else. It is. And uh, I'm okay with that because – you know, i am uh, been doing well all season, so not too, you know, not too worried. I, I believe in myself. Um, and so, you know what, we'll, we'll roll with it, and I'll go ahead and take this victory and finish out the season strong. All right. So we have four games on the slate this week. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs, we are done with the college football picks Bo ended up with the best record in college football with a 45-39-2 record. I finished at 44-40-2, and Tom was 43-41-2. and So, uh, you know, we were all above 500. It wasn't a great year for college football, but certainly tough to pick college games uh, mid the pandemic. We all have done a lot better when it comes to picking NFL <laughs> games this year. 
Bo is 49, 38, and four in picking the NFL. Tom is 54, 36, and four. And I'm 50, 37, and four in picking NFL games. And here's the four games on the NFL slate. Starting with the AFC divisional round, it'll be the Ravens taking on the Bills, that game in Buffalo. The Bills are a two and a half point favorite. The Browns face the Chiefs, that game in Kansas City. The Chiefs are a 10 point favorite. The NFC divisional round, the Rams taking on the Packers. The Packers are a six and a half point favorite. Meanwhile, the Bucs taking on the Saints in New Orleans. The Saints are a three point favorite at home. So let's go ahead and start in the AFC side with the Saturday matchup between the Ravens and the Bills. Buffalo favored at two and a half. Tom, tell us what you think of this game and who you got. Jones, you've been a big, big Josh Allen fan all year long. And here, here's a little bit of strategy for you. I have talked to you guys almost every single week for the past however long. And so I know a little about, about you. And obviously, I don't know Bo as well as I know Tyler. But I know that Tyler is going to take the Bills here. And I was going to take the Bills anyway. So give me Buffalo. They're at home. I think the Bills are going to come out and whoop that ass, to be honest. <laughs> so there's your analysis. The Bills win by whooping that ass. Uh, I mean, I've been right all season so far. Good enough for first place. Okay. Uh, Bo, give us a little more in depth on this one. What's it going to take? Do you think the Bills whoop that ass? (laughs) You know, uh, Buffalo's playing really, really well. Um, And I I like what they're doing offensively. I think their defense is good enough to – I don't know they're going to whoop that ass. This is going to be a close game. Um, Hey, Lamar Jackson's playing fantastic. And uh, the Ravens have played great uh, last couple of weeks. Um, I really – I thought they were going to go down last week. I, I liked the Titans in that game. Um, I, I just – I like what Lamar Jackson's doing. I said last week I thought they would lose that game, but not because of Lamar. And he put, took it to a whole other level. Now, I don't think we'll see as much of him escaping the pocket, getting downfield against Buffalo's defense. The Buffalo's got a, a very good defense. I like Buffalo. Uh, if this game were more than two and a half, even three and a half, I would probably take the points. But I can see it being under a touchdown or right at, I mean, I'm sorry, under a touchdown and more than a field goal. So I'm going to go ahead and take Buffalo, lay the two and a half. This is going to be, I think, the, the, the best game of the weekend. Yeah, this is a heck of a football game between these two. And the Bills last week, were a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, ended up winning by three. They did not cover last week in their win against Tennessee. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Um, the uh, Ravens were, were uh, favored last week against Tennessee. They won, and they covered two-and-a-half. That's where I'm looking at here, Bo. The, the, the people in Vegas, they know exactly what they're doing here because I got Buffalo in in this game, but I think we're talking about it being no more than four or maybe five points uh, max. This is not a touchdown game. This is going to be really close. Could be back and forth. Could go either way. Um, I'm with you, Bo. If, if you put this at even three, I'm taking Baltimore here. But uh, I got to go with Buffalo. Got to go with the hot hand. The Bills have been playing as good as anybody in the National Football League the uh, last several weeks here. I'll take Buffalo at two and a half to cover at home there. So uh, another AFC game, the Browns taking on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a 10-point favorite at home going up against Cleveland here. 
Tom, what do you make of this matchup between uh, Mahomes and Mayfield with uh, the Chiefs at 10? Mahomes has got a score to settle. Um, and the last meaningful game against Mahomes and Mayfield, if you remember, however many years ago that was, was the Tech OU game where there was like 120 points put up uh, between the two teams. You I think, think Mahomes. The, the game in uh, Mayfield's rookie year was meaningful? Uh, I mean, you know, Mahomes has not forgotten. Uh, and I think this is where the Cinderella story for the Browns ends. Um, I will take the Chiefs. I think they can win by two touchdowns or maybe like, well, I'd give them 13 points. I think they can win by 13. I would say maybe like 30 to 17 Chiefs, maybe higher if the Browns can get that running game going. Um, but I, I, I like the Chiefs here. They've been well rested. Now, sometimes I can play, you know, can mess a team up with the with the vibes going. But uh, Andy Reid's going to have this team ready. I don't know if there's any Clyde Allaire action or not this week. I don't think there is. He is playing. He is playing, so even better. Uh, I will take the Chiefs here. They haven't been very good against the spread all season, and this is one I'm hesitant on. But I will go ahead and I will take the Chiefs here. You know, Tom, you, you make a good point as far as their spread against, uh, you know, this season. And if there were this was a regular season game, I would take the Browns with the Chiefs not winning a whole lot of games by more than a touchdown this year. As we've seen, the Chiefs, you know, really just run away with games and then another opponent has a backdoor cover of sorts, you know, at the end of the game to make it seem a lot closer than it really was. But what have I been saying all year long, Tom, about the Kansas City Chiefs, that these guys are holding something back, they haven't shown us everything yet, and that when it comes playoff time, their season really starts. Last year, in that entire playoff run for the Chiefs, they won every game by 11 points or more. I think we see that Chiefs team come alive and come back here, starting with this uh, opening round of the playoffs. I'll take the Chiefs in the points because it's a postseason game. The Chiefs know how to kick it up in, in gear, kick it up a notch. I'll take the Chiefs to cover that 10 points. Uh, Bo, who you got here? I think you're both stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not new. Right. So, look, I, I'm joking, guys. Love you both. Uh, hey, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Um I think the Chiefs have been a little lethargic. I don't. I disagree with you now on the they've been holding something back. I don't think they're holding anything back. I think they've been a little lethargic. Um, I think the defense has bailed them out a couple times in the last few weeks. I think that Cleveland's going to keep this game within a touchdown. I think if I was – I'm taking the points here. Ten, I think it's a little bit of a gift. I'll take it. Uh, you're going to give me that offense – and 10 points, I'll take Cleveland. They're going to score a lot of points in this game. I do expect the Chiefs offense to play better. I just think this is going to be a really, really high-scoring game. I think this is going to be something where they're they're trading barbs and trading punches back and forth. And uh, I think the Chiefs are the better team. I think they'll win the game. But I think this is under seven. I think this is five, four, six. I mean, kind of in that area. Uh, I'll take the, the Browns and 10. That's easy, easy bet for me. Okay, so uh, you'll go with the Browns, Tom, and I go in with the Chiefs. Let's move to the NFC side now. The Rams taking on the Packers. The Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The Rams shocked the world as uh, their backup quarterback went down uh, in the first half. Jared Goff played with a broken finger 
and still was enough to get it done. The defense was phenomenal. Aaron Donald played one of the best games of his entire career last week. Uh, that was a huge win for the Rams last week there against Seattle. The Packers have been phenomenal this season. Aaron Rodgers, he'll be your MVP. MVP, he's playing great football right now. Devontae Adams and the talent around him, really good um, there in a Green Bay. Green Bay, the home team favorite is six and a half. Tom, what do you think about this matchup between your Rams and the uh, Green Bay Packers coming off the bye week? You know, almost every time I've picked against the Rams this season, I have lost. That's not going to change, though, because I'm going to pick against the Rams again. If this is in L.A., I would take the Rams. It is in Green Bay. It's not going to be as cold as it usually is. It's going to be like 33 game time. It was 36 in Seattle, um, and, and Goff did just enough to, to get the job done. I think the Rams can win this game, uh, and I hope they do. I hope I'm wrong. I would give up my lead. I'd give up the whole rest of the pick if it meant the Rams win this game. But that's not how the world works. I will take the Packers. It hurts. God, it hurts. I will take the Packers. I've been – I've been. what did I say all season, though? I've been a, pack, a, a substitute Packers fan all year. I've said it from day – I said it at the beginning of the year. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a hell of a year. I think he continues, and it's not so much that he's going to light the Rams up. I do think the Packers win by a touchdown. I think it's a close game. I think like 27-20. Um, but Jared Goff is trash in cold weather. He's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible. I can remember the Bears not – yeah, was it last year? I think they went in Chicago and got smoked um, because Jared Goff – maybe it was the year before. Maybe it was 2018. But he didn't play well in cold weather. And it's Lambeau. All right. And it's something special about it. I don't know. I'll be wearing my Jalen Ramsey jersey come Saturday during the day, probably with a drink in hand, probably with multiple drinks. Um, but I can't wholeheartedly just pick the Rams out of sure homer bias here. All right. So I will take the Packers. The Tom has traded his allegiance of the Rams to the Packers. Let's go to you, Bo. Who do you got in this one with the Packers at six and a half? So, um, you know, we're talking about what Thomas has been on. That's his team. I've been the guy since the beginning that said, hey, this is the team that was going to win the West. They did sneak into the playoffs. That defense is stout. They got the best defensive player in the, the league, everything else. But Packers have the MVP, the best quarterback skill-wise I've ever seen. I will take Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to lay the points. I think this is going to be – I think it's going to be that eight to ten point game at the end. Um, I look for like a late touchdown. Oh, so give me the but give me the Packers. Man, I hate agreeing with you guys, but I got to go Green Bay here too. I mean, uh, this Green Bay team has been phenomenal, and the Rams. I love what they did last week against Seattle, but Green Bay's a whole lot better team than, uh, than the Seahawks. Um, you know, eventually, you know. Uh, the, the luck has got to, got to run out for the Rams in the sense of getting away with playing with a quarterback with a, you know, a broken finger and, and uh, those things. It's got to catch up. Packers are too much. Aaron Rodgers, this guy, the MVP this year, he just donated $500,000 to the Barstool Sports Fund for small business COVID relief. He's going to be hosting Jeopardy here in a few weeks. What can this guy not do? 
Uh, I'll be rooting for Aaron Rodgers this postseason because uh, he's certainly certainly shown some character uh, here the last few weeks. Good guy, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'll take the Packers at six and a half. Last one, the uh, Bucks taking on the Saints this game in New Orleans. The Saints a three-point favorite. Uh, the Saints won the previous two matchups when they faced earlier this year. And uh, the, the saying goes – that it is uh it, it's tough to beat a team three times right well only seven times in nfl history out of 21 different times this has happened has a team turn reverse course and won when they didn't win the previous two meetings in a playoff game there's an interesting nugget for you and tom brady has never lost to any team three times ever so there's a few factors in all this, too. So something to think about. Stats show two different stories here. Um, Tom, who do you got with uh, the Saints as a three-point favorite at home? You know what? Uh, before we start here, I will say, Bo, I'm going to take your team here. I'll just say the Saints. I'll break it down here in just a second. But um, if the Rams do pull off the Packers, I will be giving you shit all next week uh, when your Saints – try to go marching in in New Orleans when the Rams come in and beat them and go back to the Super Bowl because if the Rams beat the Packers, it's Super Bowl or bust. But that being said, I will take the Saints here as well. Um, I, I say as well, I'm first pick, but it sounds like I know what Tyler's going to say. But I will take the Saints here. Um, Jones has a good point. I did see this stat earlier today on the times it's happened. You know, teams have beaten a team three times in the season. Um, just on this little website I just pulled up, and this is four years ago. I'm sure it's happened s- since then. Uh, the last one was Dallas beat Philly three times in a season. It's happened 17 times since 1950. That was four years ago. Um, so maybe more times than that. But um, I think the Saints do it again. I, I think this is, you know, I, I-, I don't think Drew Brees – is going to go down. I I think he's getting his team to the NFC championship. I think the saints are better overall. Uh, Camaro should go off. Michael Thomas should go off. Uh, I think there's a receiver I watched against the bears. Harris looked really good. I, I, I just think the saints are the better offensive team. All right. Uh, Bo, tell us about, uh, this game. Uh, what do you think about your saints chances here against uh, Tampa Bay in round three? Okay, so we've already talked about the it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. Um, these are both two different teams than played week one, and I think it was week four. I mean, these are completely different teams. The Bucks are running a lot better. They've been, you know, the offense looks great. They're scoring points. Uh, they were still trying to figure out who they were when they played the Saints twice early in the season. Uh, Drew Brees gets hurt, and he's recovering from his rib injury. I thought last week was he looked a lot better than the week before. Uh, the big problem with the Saints last week was no Trey Hendrickson on the front four, and they didn't get a lot of pressure. So I think the difference in this game, I saw today that Hendrickson was probably going to play. If he plays, I think that's a big deal. He's a guy who he sacked Brady four times in the first two games. Uh, they can get pressure tough down front four. They don't have to worry about the deep ball and Mike Evans and everything that goes with that. Um, so I, this is a tough one. The better team, the hotter team right now is the Bucks. The Bucks' offense is playing better. 
the Saints defense is playing better. Um, all the things, hard to pick Tom Brady. He's never lost three times to someone in the season. And then you've got a three-point spread. If I could pick a push, I would pick a push. Because um, I think this is a 20, I think this is a 30-27, you know, 31-28 kind of game. Um, I do like the Saints here. And I'm going to lay the three only because if the Saints can, you know, get up by a touchdown, I mean, they win the game. I look for a big game from Michael Thomas. Traquan Smith, if Traquan Smith is back, that's going to be the difference for the Saints offense. That's the one, the piece they're missing right now. They have Traquan. I think that's going to help Breeze out as well. Um, I'm, I'm leaning. I'm going to go into the Saints minus three. But, I, boy, this game is a close game. It should be a good game, and I really think this is going to be a push. You know, guys, uh, I don't know about this game, who is going to win this game, in all honesty here. Um, I mean, none of us really know uh, for sure anyway with any of these games. But uh, what, what I mean by that is that both these teams are so much better than what they were when they met earlier this year. The Saints – um, even with before Breeze was was healthy, they were playing incredible football. You go back to that game against the Vikings, what that offense was able to do, even without Drew Breeze playing great. The Bucs, since they came off that bye week with Brady and Arians working things out there, um, Vegas is still giving three points for being the home team, even in places where there's not really a home field advantage. New Orleans right now, I think they're allowing, what, 3,000 fans? Not much of a home field advantage right now. Not like we're accustomed to seeing typically in New Orleans there. So I know that's all a roundabout way to get to this point, but um, I could see who goes. I, I could see this going either way. And so with that being said, three is a little bit too much for me, just a little bit. I'll go with Tampa to, uh, to cover that margin. Uh, this is one I could see going either way. Um, but in actuality, Whoever uh, wins this game, I think, probably loses to Green Bay anyway. So, uh, you know, you win this one and you go up to Green Bay to lose next week, more than likely. So, there you have it. That's our uh, pigskin pick them this week is uh, to go through these games. Uh, uh, Bo and uh, Tom and I, we all like the Bills. Um, Bo likes the Browns. Tom and I like the Chiefs. We all like the Packers. Bo and Thomas are going with the Saints. I'm going with the Bucks. Um, Bo, before we let you run here, tell us, uh, remind us one more time about what's going on at O'Connor Advisor Group and where people can reach out to you. Hey, it's first of the year. If you're doing the whole new year, new me, you're looking at your health, you're looking at your wealth, we want to be a partner to you, give us a shout. You can check us out, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can check us out, uh, OAG for O'Connor Advisory Group, KS.com. Um, and you can give us a shout on Facebook, O'Connor Advisor Group. Uh, you can also give me a call, 785-856-0720. Awesome stuff. Bo, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks hey. for joining us. Thank you. There you have it, the O'Connor Advisor Group. Pigskin, pick them here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. Tom, a few more things before we get out of here today. We'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up in just a bit. But first... I do want to touch on some NBA news, the big James Harden trade. He is headed to the Brooklyn Nets, where he'll rejoin Kevin Durant. They were teammates in Oklahoma City. 
Jeff Green is also there. So you're kind of getting the gang back together without Russell Westbrook there in Brooklyn and uh, you know, with Kyrie Irving a part of the bunch. And uh, Steve Nash, of course, a rookie head coach there in uh, Brooklyn. And on paper, Tom, this looks like as talented of a team as anybody in the NBA. But that's a lot of egos involved. We already know about Kyrie and this leave of absence. And, you know, you got these uh, talking heads like Stephen A. talking about retirement and such with, with, with Kyrie and all this. I mean, all this nonsense and whatnot. Um, I know Kyrie's going through, you know, something right now. Kevin Durant, this is his first year back from injury. And then, uh, you know, James Harden, he comes in after demanding to be out of Houston. He's put on a little bit of weight uh, there, you know, put on uh, some, looks like a, you know, he, he's got some little, uh, you know, food baby of some sorts going on there. And now joining the Houston, joining uh, Brooklyn. Um, I don't know what to make of all this. Um, I, I could see this working out really well. I could see this being a disaster. I just really don't know one way or the other. Uh, I get what Brooklyn's going for here, you know, taking a chance, you know, trying to do what they can to take that next step. But I, I have no idea how this is all going to work out. I'm, uh, in most circumstances, this would sound like a home run, but the chemistry might not be there with this group. What say you? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a lot of mouths to feed on that team. Um, and yeah. Jones, just the just what they you know they got some, they gave up all those picks. This this really what it does. This could spell disaster if they don't win a championship or two out of this. Um, just because their picks are gone, this feels like the Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce debacle of however long ago that was. Um, you know, when they, they first tried to build a big three that was non-successful and wore trash for the, all those subsequent years because they didn't have picks. And the Celtics did, and now look at what the Celtics have done. So, I mean, they still haven't won a championship, but they're still in place, um, you know, right up near the top. So, Jones, I, I don't know what to make of it. Like I said, if they don't win a couple of championships out of this I, in my mind they need to at least win one and sure it could be this year could be next but at the same time that's a lot of mouths to feed you get the Kyrie stuff going on um, I'm not 100% sure this can work and not to mention their bench is going to be absolute trash who's the Nets fifth best player at this point Jeff Green well Jeff Green's going to be a starter yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the fifth best player. Right. Uh, I guess you would say. I mean, but other than that, who's who's your sixth man? Right. I have yeah. no clue. I don't I don't know any of the, the rest of them. Yeah, it, it sounds like um that this could be disastrous there in uh in Brooklyn. You know I mean, what it didn't what work it, out for the Clippers. What it reminds me of is you know, we, we mentioned Steve Nash being the head coach of this team, Tom. Remember when the Lakers, uh, in one offseason, they brought in Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, and they thought that was going to be the thing that, the, that got the Lakers over the top at, you know, with Kobe there towards the end, and it was just a debacle. I think they were like the eighth seed or something like that. I, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, fall that hard of sorts, but it, it didn't work. It was a mess. 
Mike D'Antoni ended up getting fired and everything. Um, I could see this going that direction of some sorts, kind of being where it just you ha- that you have the talent, but it just doesn't work. These things aren't just a given just because you have the talent there that everything's going to come together. I mean, even before this, granted, you had Harden and, and – you know, go that route. Even before the Thunder and the Spurs both had a better record than the Nets. And granted, it's the beginning of the season. I get it. And Kevin Durant's, you know, has been fairly has played really well, but has you know, the record is what really matters at the end of the day, not the stats. But uh, and with the Kyrie thing, you know, going maskless and and all that that's happened. Um, I mean you just mortgaged your whole future on the fact that James Harden's going to come and save the day when he literally just gave a press conference last night that said he pretty much gave up on Houston. Even Boogie Cousins called it so disrespectful. Um, and, and Boogie Cousins is kind of the guy that I would expect the disrespect from. Um, right. right. And so in that case, I'm like, this is not, in my mind, that's not a team guy at all. Uh, I mean, they were talking James Harden to the Spurs for like Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, and like however many first round picks. And I said, absolutely not. We don't want James Harden in San Antonio. No. I mean, he's a, a, a I'm not a huge fan of his at all. Um, I don't he's a play really hate the guy. On top of everything, too. I mean, you're getting a one way player. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, and, and at that point, you have Kevin Durant who, can take the scoring load at any time uh, at that point you know if you wanted somebody you know go get Kawhi Leonard uh they wouldn't do that but you, I mean you get the point like go get somebody else other than James Harden I get I'm sure Kevin Durant wanted to team back up with James Harden they've talked about it um and I'm trying to there was oh the Sixers were trying to get him and and so maybe the Nets figured hey you know, we're already going to have to face the Bucks and, and the Celtics. And if the Sixers get James Harden, that could put them over the top. And so that would be a tough four out in the East. Um, but, you know, you, you think the Nets would rethink something like that after they just mortgaged their whole future uh, a few years ago and it didn't pan out. Now they do it again. Uh, you think they might hold off this time and, and you know, not hit on the – I mean, essentially, Jones, what they're doing with this, you've played blackjack. It's like hitting on an 18. Yeah. It's like hitting on an 18. Yeah, you know, back then, sure, they hit on a 14 and got a 10 and busted. This is like hitting on an 18. This could go either really well and you could get a three and get 21 or you could just bust out. And, and if that happens – uh I mean, there there's a more likelihood that James Harden hurts than helps this team, in my opinion. Maybe I'll eat crow later on, uh, but I, I think his potential to hurt the team rather than help the team uh, far outweighs it, and it far outweighs the benefit of what they gave up. Um, well, because now Houston has a Houston has a lot now, not as much as Oklahoma City in terms of draft picks, but it's getting there. Right, just schematically. What on earth offense do you run, Tom? I mean, you got, you know, Kyrie's not a traditional point guard. I mean, he is a ball first guy that loves to score. We know Kevin Durant, you know, is a, a score first guy. So is James Harden and everything. 
I mean, is this just going to be ISO ball all day? I mean, what, what on earth do you even do with a scheme like that? Um, you know, you, you got a guy and, you know, James Harden and Kyrie, both of them like to play the point. Um, I, I don't even know how you make this work as far as having any rhythm offensively. I mean, are, are you just going to depend on trying to be in a fast break 24-7 of some sorts? I mean, I, I don't know what you do for a half-court offense with uh, three ball handlers of this type. It will be very interesting to see how they go about it. I am interested in that, and I'm, I'm excited to potentially watch that burn. Um, and, and I even, you know, I even tweeted out as a Spurs fan, I am excited to watch the demise of the Houston Rockets um, because, you know, as a, as a Texas NBA fan, they talk even more trash than, than the Dallas Mavericks did when the Dallas Mavericks were good with Dirk back in the day. Um, so I'm excited there because that's going to be a demise. Victor Oladipo is not going to save them, uh, or even get anywhere close. And that's not hate on Victor Oladipo. He's just not going to do it. Um, but you know, I, and, and we can talk about it the same way we talk about college football on, on how, you know, this whole super team or, you know, the parody in the NBA has somewhat killed it into the parody and, and college football is somewhat damaging it now. Uh, this whole super team BS is, is really, you know, if, if it's your fan that gets the super team, sure. Cool. Because if the Spurs got LeBron and, and, and Anthony Davis, uh, you know, and, and put them together and won, you know, two back-to-back championships like the Lakers are, Lakers are fixing to do, I would be ecstatic. Um, but in the terms of looking at the league at the, at, you know, as a whole, it, it just doesn't do well for the league that, you know, this Jones, the NBA over the past, you know, 10 seasons has come a long way um, in terms of viewership and, and just storylines and and just excitement. And now, you know, after LeBron went to the Heat um, and, you know, the Warriors were born um, and it, I feel like it's hurt the league more than it's helped. And And I think we're really looking at what's going to end up happening is we're going to look at the abolishment of conferences and we're going to take the top 16 teams um, no matter where they used to play. And I, I think that's probably the most next logical step of what's about to happen, but it's the super team stuff that's going on. I, I think for a league to thrive, like the NBA wants to do, like the, the parody has to be there. And, and, you know, last season we had, you know, somewhat. I mean, we kind of knew the Lakers were going, but we had the Clippers, we had the Mavs, you know, before COVID broke out, we were really thinking we had something here. Right. Now you take away Harden and, and put him on a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Um I don't I don't know. Well and uh you know it it eliminates the Rockets altogether. You know, they're right there with Oklahoma City and and some of these other teams is just a complete rebuild process. And now you're talking about you know, teams that can t- contend for the title, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Nets, uh, you know, Bucks, Heat, maybe the Sixers, and is that about it? Am I leaving anybody out? Maybe the Celtics, but... Maybe, um, but really... That's it. That's all we got now. 
I mean, it, really, the Nuggets aren't. I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm not sure the Nuggets surprised, but I'm I'm not. I wouldn't put my money on the Nuggets as being a dark horse this year. Maybe they surprise me again, but uh, really, it's. I mean, it's got to be the Lakers or the Clippers again, right? You know, there, there's been some issues when it comes to, you know, the the NBA getting. Pol- too political or stuff like that. But the biggest issue of all is the uh, lack of parity. That's the biggest issue. It's not, you know, how, you know, what LeBron thinks about China or stuff like that. Although those are big stories and such. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing that. But the biggest issue of the NBA is how they have structured their league and gone about the salary cap. If I were in charge, Tom, um, I would institute, I would go, the NBA needs to go to a model similar to the NFL. I would institute a hard cap that you cannot spend over. There's just no way. There's going to be no luxury tax or anything like that. You have a hard cap and you have a franchise tag. And I think if you have those two things, uh, that would bode well for all of the NBA and make for a much better product. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of parity in the NFL. I mean, it's they don't call it any given Sunday for a reason. Um, I mean, I mean, it is. Look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs have won. I'm not even counting that Charger game. They went basically a, a calendar year only losing one game. And is it a given that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year? Or against the spread. It's not like they blew the shit off of everybody. Right. Is it a given that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year? No, no, of course not. No, I mean, the, the Chiefs could lose this week, and, and no one would be shocked. No one would be surprised. Um, but that's the nature of the beast. It's just where things are at right now. The, the NBA is in trouble and needs some help, needs some big changes. Um, but uh, James Harden going to Brooklyn will certainly be interesting. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, real quick, before we get to uh, our Tom Fulry story of the week, uh, I, I do want to touch on some uh, – some big 12 hoops. And uh, first off, uh, my, my Kansas Jayhawks the other night against Oklahoma State uh, just looked awful. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. Did, did you actually watch it on ESPN Plus? Did you pay for you ESPN? Know, you know, yeah, I have it because of the OSU. This is our season BS that ended up not being a season at all for OSU. Okay. Um, this is our time. I'm shocked because you, you're not a big spender. You like to find all the illegal streams and all that. Yeah, I do. I do. But um, So I did watch parts of that. I was in and out of that just because Thunder were playing uh, or the Spurs were playing the Thunder rather. Um, and, and that's one game I, I actually was trying to get a go to that game, but you know, before all well, the COVID thing was already there, but, um, I was thinking that where well, there was going to be fans and I was going to try to go to that game, but needless to say, I did not, but I wanted to watch that because I always like to see the Spurs beat OKC just because I live in Oklahoma and it's always fun being the bad guy. Um, but I did watch that and watch more so after halftime when I found out that Oklahoma State was up by like 11. Yeah. Um, and, and KU went on that huge run and tried to make it close. And, um, I mean, hell, it was tied with however much left. And Kate Cunningham had that great play to save it out of bounds. And, and you well, know. And, uh, you, you looked at this Oklahoma State team and uh, – you know, the, the story of this team for the last, you know, f- you know, few weeks to begin the season has been, you know, hey, a lot of talent, 
but young guys that can't finish. And they found a way to finish. They made big plays, even with giving up that big run, surrendering, surrendering the league, the lead like they did. They still found a way to pull through. I thought that was a big turning point of sorts for this Oklahoma State team. Uh, and, and recently beat Texas Tech as well. Yeah. At Tech. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, the, the NCAA, you know, just get out of the way in this silly nonsense with the ban and all that. I mean, this – I'm not saying that you end it just so Oklahoma State can have a nice year and get to the tournament just, uh, you know, for a story of some sort. But it's ridiculous the punishment they got anyway. End it now. Put this Oklahoma State team in the big dance. Um, you know, I don't know how far they can go necessarily, but Cade uh, Cunningham, this guy's special. They got some real talent. I mean, that's a – that's a good basketball team. Uh, I have my concerns about Kansas. Um, I will say that they did solve the front court issue that they had. Um, you know, for weeks, folks would not lay off David McCormick. And, you know, the fact that he was not defending well and then he wasn't holding up his end and he looked like just hot garbage. Um, but McCormick's been averaging 20 points the last three games. Um, he has been phenomenal inside. Jalen Wilson has looked great, um, but it's been up and down. And now you lose Bryce Thompson. He's going to be out for a while. He broke a finger. Um, you know, th- this, this Kansas team with the inconsistencies, one night they're on, one night they're off. They find the big, but then the three-point shooting fades away. Just too much inconsistencies. Kansas is good, don't get me wrong. But Baylor's going to win this league. I think they'll win by about three or four games probably. They're significantly better than everybody else. Kansas is a young, flawed team that has second-round exit written all over it. Um, But that's okay. I mean, this is a a Kansas team that we knew was not going to be up to the standard. Um, I know that Bill Self likes to say that, you know, faces change, but expectations don't. Realistically, this this Kansas team just didn't have it. And maybe there's still time that they could reverse course and maybe they go on a run here, but I, I just don't see it with this Kansas team right now. I think that um, when Big Monday rolls around, when they play Baylor this week, uh, I think they're in for a rude awakening. I, I expect a big-time performance from this Baylor team that's still undefeated, might I add you. Uh, them and Gonzaga look like they're on a whole pedestal right now. Um, I don't think it's going to be pretty on Monday night when KU faces Baylor, Tom. I, I think that Jared Butler, who's one of the best players in the country, and all that talent that there's with Baylor, I mean, they're, they're just on another level right now. It feels weird to say this about Kansas, but – I, I, I just think it's the truth. Just at this moment, things could change, but that's how I feel right now. I mean, at least you're honest about it. I mean, Baylor's played ridiculous, and KU's kind of in a slump right now. I mean, and they're uh, not bad. They're just not the KU standard, right? I mean, it's just it's you know it is what it is. I mean, you you have all those great years. You know, eventually, if you do have one down year, not so hot year, you're gonna hear it. Um, and it's, you know, it's the ex- expectations you set for yourself and you set those high on purpose to achieve those and KU did for so long. Um, I mean, it, 
it, I don't think it's necessarily fair for people to come after them and be like, oh, you guys are trash now because they're still a great team, still going to make the tournament. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, after you set that record like KU did, what, 13, 14 straight Big 12 titles, it's hard to, it's hard to not be good after that. Um, you know, it's, and that's, here you go. It's kind of like the Spurs. I do this all the time, but it is like the Spurs. The Spurs don't, you know, don't miss the playoffs for as long as some people listening to the show have been alive. They missed the playoffs one time. And finally everyone's like, I told you so. And I'm like, y'all been telling the Spurs that they were going to miss the playoffs since like, you know, 2014. So it's at that point, it's just like, you know, eventually you're going to have a, a not so hot year. And right. I think at that point, it's really how you bounce back from it the following year. So well, I think it's going to be okay. And here's the thing. Um, you know, you, you might ask the question, well, what changed? What, how did we get to this point? Because it's more than just Kansas, you know, taking a back step recruiting with the NCAA stuff going on. There, there's always more to it. And credit's got to be given to everyone else. We have seen Big 12 basketball, Tom, the last five, six, seven, eight years be as good as any conference in the country. Um, Even with Kansas still on top, everyone else was good. Um, And that there was real depth in this league. That it became cliche that night in and night out, things were tough in the Big 12 conference. But what we've seen different now is just the talent level all around. It's not just a flash in the pan of a Kevin Durant or a Michael Beasley or a Buddy Heald shows up and you got one potential NBA star on one team and that's just it. Uh, A Jared Allen at Texas or or whatever it may be. You know, we're we're not seeing that. We're seeing teams have NBA talent, multiple NBA talent on multiple teams. I, I, I have this list right now. Just the NBA draft projections for this upcoming year. And, you know, I like the tap. Don't get me wrong. I like some of these guys in this Kansas team. Jalen Wilson, I think, has got potential to play in the NBA. Ochai, we know, uh, is going to be up there. Uh, Christian Brown is a three-point shooter. I mean, th- there is some real talent that's got a shot at the next level of the University of Kansas. But where they're at right now, this is what's different across the league. Cade Cunningham, my favorite player in college basketball. Uh, I, he puts on a show every night. Um, he's projected to be the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft right now. Hopefully that's to the Oklahoma city thunder. We can only hope at this point that the uh, lottery goes into the thunder's direction. Um, 20th player on the board, according to ESPN.com, Greg Brown at Texas, 23rd Kai Jones at Texas, Texas. Uh, last time I checked was above KU in the big 12 standings. Um, they're playing pretty well, even with losing to Texas tech last night, they're, they're still a top, you know, five team in the country, Texas tech, Terrence Shannon, Jr. Projected to be 36 in the draft. The, the, uh, favorite for big 12 player of the year. One of the best players in the country. We just mentioned leading that Baylor team number 37 in the draft, Jared Butler, 38 Davion Mitchell, another great player for Baylor expected to go in that top 40. We have to go all the way down to 46 before we find a Jayhawk, and that being Ochai Abaji for this next draft. That's the difference right now. And that's fantastic 
you know, they have seven players projecting the top 46. That's great for the league, but that's where things are different for KU. It's not just that Kansas maybe isn't recruiting the same caliber of player the last couple of years because of what's gone on with the NCAA and such. It's also that everyone else has stepped up their game and the talent is being spread around. Credit where credit's due that everyone else is getting NBA talent in this league, something that we haven't said a whole lot over the years beyond just a couple flashes in the pan here and there, Tom. Right. I mean, there's just so much talent around, and you hit the nail on the head when you, you know, mentioned that wasn't the KU was slack. It was just everybody else got good. And, and which is great for, it's great for the big 12. That's going to just attract more talent to everybody. And big 12 is going to, you know, continue to be dominant um, and, and, you know, impose their will on teams. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I can't ask for anything better. I mean, it's, they're the pretty much polar opposite of what the big 12 was this year uh, in, in football. And, yeah. You know, you can't. I guess you can't have it both ways. Maybe, maybe you can, but um, football is a lot of catching up to do because basketball programs in the Big Twelve are just been phenomenal. Yeah, um, I, I know it's going to pain you when you see Cade Cunningham in that Oklahoma City jersey next year. That's going to be. Uh... Uh, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I I don't hate the Thunder. I only hate the Thunder when they play the Spurs. <laughs> um, so we'll see where he goes. I mean, as long as I would rather see, I see him go to the Oklahoma city thunder than the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be, uh, something else. Uh, I think you would have, uh, quite the excitement level if Cade made his way to Oklahoma city, if that can happen, but, uh, we'll see the Oklahoma city's actually been playing decent. They've been kind of winning too much lately for, uh, for the lottery, uh, maybe slow things down a little bit, you know. Uh, right, or you might have him end up in New York. Yeah, um, but uh, the Knicks aren't playing terrible either, actually. So, but we we all know that's going to come to a halt at some point. <laughs> I didn't realize till today that uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker from the uh, Pelicans that he and SGA are cousins. Oh, I guess that makes a little sense. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't really think about it too hard. I guess. Yeah, the the uh, Canadian cousins. Yeah, huh. maybe we'll take him in Oklahoma City too. Um, <laughs> well, you have him, and you'll have Slenderman on the team as well in Oklahoma City. <laughs> right, we'll take them all. Come on board. Um, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Jones, we're going to South Africa. Never uh, been. Yeah, I don't know if you'd want to go. Um, <laughs> you know, if you get in the ocean, you run the risk of getting attacked by a great white shark. And if you're on land, you get, you know, uh, somewhat of a civil war. Um, Johannesburg is where we're going. Um, and I'm going to butcher a lot of this. The Goating police have defended the arrest of Weirdabrug centurion father for like i guess that's where he's from a father well we'll just call him a father from johannesburg for breaking the curfew uh, at this point covid curfew after he allegedly went to a 24-hour pharmacy to buy milk formula for his newborn child in the early hours of friday morning the man's lawyer lily Rotanabach said his client's newborn was struggling to feed prompting him to go and buy formula at a hospital pharmacy 
as it was the only 24-hour service available. The spokesperson for Civil Rights Organization Action Society, Daylene Gose, said that although the father had provided the police with sufficient proof of his whereabouts, he was treated like a criminal and detained at the police station for hours. Police also refused to deliver the formula milk to his desperate wife and baby. She had to walk with the baby in the dark to the place of the rest to collect the infant milk herself. Our hospitals are under immense pressure. Consequently, babies are discharged almost immediately after birth. It is extremely difficult for inexperienced new parents to determine what their baby's needs will be. Government and the Department of Social Development urgently need to sit down to address the needs of vulnerable parties. Uh, he was arrested for the breach of curfew under the National Disaster Management Act and taken to court. He was released on warning the same day to appear in court on January 18th at the Pretoria Magistrate's Court. Um, while he provided police with the proof of purchase, Masadano said police could not confirm this and investigations were underway to verify the authenticity of the claim. With regards to the allegation that man's wife was made to walk in the dark with the baby to fetch the formula where her husband was, um, Jones, this is what this is the ridiculousness that we've gotten to. And granted, it's in South Africa; it's a lot different than here. Um, but like, come on, like you know, it's not this. It's, you know, here's our stories, Jones. The Tom Fuller's are either really funny. Or ridiculously sad. This falls under the ridiculously sad version. Um, what kind of police will badger a person for going to get their baby formula? Um, I mean, a lot of these, you know, yeah, the majority of people that are old enough to be a police officer probably have kids. Um, so you would think that they would understand. Jones, this is Tom Fuller to himself that you can't leave and go get your child uh, at this point food just because of a pandemic. And granted, I'm a pro mask person, um, but some of this stuff is just getting way out of hand. So here's what I don't understand. So this place was a a 24 hour place where you could get formula. Why were they even open? It wasn't open? No, it was open. He bought it. And then on the way back, got caught up with the cops. But yeah, that's what doesn't make sense. So how does the place, why is it open if you, if curfews? Yeah, that's what doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sure that'll get brought up in court. I don't get that. Um, Yeah, I mean, okay, if you're out buying beer or something, then whatever. But if you're going to get your baby formula like this, they... Not to mention Johannesburg, if, if that's where, from what I can read, if that's where they're at, is not the the most nice of of, of places. Um, it's probably after dark. Um, right. Even before then, the crime rate's decently high, and it's just kind of a dangerous city to begin with. Um, you know, you make the newborn baby and the mom walk to where you got this guy arrested to get the formula for the hungry kid that doesn't feed well. And then you detain the guy, take him to jail or whatever for several hours. So he can't even go back home to his wife and newborn baby. Like, I, you know, I don't know if the courts work over there the same way over there, but they're in for a big payday. It sounds like. Yeah. That, that doesn't add up. Um, 
I'm confused on that. If you didn't want him to go get the baby formula, then why would the stores be open to get the baby formula? I don't well, understand. To anybody at that point. Right, right. That that doesn't make sense to me. And I feel bad. He's just trying to take care of his his uh, his baby and gets caught up in in this whole thing, you know. And and, and you know, Tom and I was as mentioned earlier in this show. We don't have kids, but you know, I, I know enough to know that you know, hey, the, the kids pretty much decide when they want to sleep and when they want to eat and stuff like that. Um, there's not much you can do about that. And so these things kind of happen. So. Uh, I hate it. They're caught up in this situation. That that just sucks, you know. Um, that uh, this could go on, and it, it's such an easy solution too. That you know, hey, either open up everything or make it universal as far as when you close. I mean, it doesn't seem like that hard to figure out. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm trying to read through some of the comments here on it. Um, that you know, some people are saying, well, um, you know, maybe it. You know, maybe that weren't as you know wasn't his original intentions, and I'm like, well, come on! Like he showed, said showed he showed the receipt to them, but this person makes a good point. They said you are aware this happened in South Africa, right? A place that's well known for its corrupt police forces. Also, if they didn't assume the mother would have a problem breastfeeding, they wouldn't have stocked up on formula. Um, and someone else said, trick to remember that this is taking place in South Africa. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's just there, you know, we haven't, you know, here in America, at least haven't had a, a crazy lockdown to that effect. Sure. We've had right. a, you know, and I'm thankful for that. I don't think we'll get to that point in time, but you know, we wouldn't even get to that point in time because in America, that place would be closed at a certain time. Right. right. Um, so that's just what's tough for me. I'll probably end up Jones. I'll probably watch the story through just to see. Because in America, that guy's due for a big payday if everything checks right. out. You uh, remember when South Africa hosted the uh, World Cup a few oh, years back? Oh, oh, yeah. I still bumped the, the Shakira song. The uh, Those I mean, Vuvuzelas were just awful. That was the absolute worst. Oh, see, I thought it was the best part. No one I, had knew to, a, I had to watch those no games one, on mute. It was so bad. No one knew what a Vuvuzela was until then. And then, Jones, we should have bought stock in Vuvuzelas because in every American soccer event since then, I have seen a Vuvuzela. Oh, gosh, that, that was so bad. I, I was not a fan. Even, you know, they even sell the Vuvuzelas at Tulsa Oiler hockey games. Really? They do. Uh, because I heard enough of them, I thought, oh, my goodness. You don't, you wouldn't own a Vuvuzela? Um, I might you know, just to have, but I would not bring one with me. I would not want to be that guy. I'm surprised they haven't made their way into American football stadiums yet. Oh, please no. The cowbells at Mississippi State, some of these other places are bad enough. They are loud. Could you imagine going to a game with cowbells and vuvuzelas? I just bring earplugs. I'd have to. I just want to go is what I'd do. Yeah. Right. Oh. Be in the press box with the windows closed. Right. Yeah. Uh, there we go. That's that's how I, I would – you wouldn't have to ask me to social distance. I, I would do that on my own. There you go. 
Maybe we do need to bring Vuza Vuzela's. That way, everyone's like, okay, I'm going to stand more than six foot rather than have this in my ear. Right. Maybe uh, that's the, the bat signal of sorts to get to stay six feet away from me is I'm going to blow this Vuvuzela at you or something. A selfie stick and a Vuvuzela. Ooh, yikes. Oh, uh, gosh. On that note, we got to get out of here today. Big thanks to uh, Brandon Zinner for joining us uh, here on today's show. As always, make sure to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and at TJ Media Group. And uh, also on Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Insta Thomas, and Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. New episodes of the Jones Report out each and every Monday and Thursday. And uh, also, uh, Let's Go Racing with uh, David Starr. New episodes of uh, LGR out uh, every uh, uh, Tuesday as well. Got a new show this week with uh, Brendan Gaughan. Uh, great guy, NASCAR driver. Uh, he's big into into betting as well in uh, the NASCAR world. So definitely worth uh, the discussion. You don't even have to be a racing fan to enjoy that. So I certainly encourage you to uh, check out that if uh, you get the chance. And uh, we'll see you back here on Monday. I'll uh, be enjoying some NFL playoff games. Also getting settled into Omaha. That's what I'll be uh, doing over the next few days. So certainly be a lot of fun. We'll check back with you on a Monday on MLK Day uh, right here on the Jones Report. For Thomas Bridges, Brandon Center, Brian O'Connor, our entire crew of Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.